Hello everyone, welcome to episode 44 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer that Tor Garadon is looking to kitbash a model of us. Mm. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Oh, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm your host Matt, and joining me as always, a guy where 2020 isn't the year, but it's actually the number of nights he hopes to own one day. It's Cameron. Oh. How you doing, oh. mate? Oh, uh, no, that'd be, that'd be beautiful. Uh, just imagining a field of beautiful, beautiful knights. I could fill a small basketball court with knights, and that would be my apocalypse army. A million points. Anyone dare face me? No. Yeah, it'd be, um, they could be called like the, I don't know, like the Nurgle planet trotters or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, we'll is, make that a, it a thing. is that a knight household or a basketball team? Hold on. <laughs> 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 was that or are they both <laughs> oh <laughs> see we, nurgle is perhaps the slowest the most slovenly of the chaos gods but he's also the friendliest and that means ball yeah that's true and also <laughs> but also you want to stay away from his cheerleaders because oh that yeah, could be disgusting yeah yes. <laughs> i can just imagine just wet slapping sounds as they're doing their Chanting. Oh, what they're using Nurglings as pom poms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, that's it. Make it a thing. Oh God! <laughs> Every yeah. conversation we have is a conversion opportunity. Remember, yep, I'll put it. I'll put it on the list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're back. Here it is, mm. twenty twenty. It's the first episode of the year. Welcome back. Have you, you know, happy new year? Uh, yeah. I've probably said that to you before, anyway. But yeah, happy uh, new year, mate, and happy yeah. new year to everyone listening. Um, did you have a good break? Um, it was pretty nice. It was, it was quiet for the most part, which was good. Um, I got a pair of socks and a calendar for Christmas, which was nice. <laughs> nice, standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, this, this is good stuff. Good high quality stuff. Uh, but no, it's been it's been a pretty good break. I've enjoyed the quiet, which is good, and I will continue to enjoy <laughs> it for several more weeks before <laughs> I actually have to go back to work, which <laughs> is one of the advantages and disadvantages of being tied to the school calendar, I mm. suppose. That's true. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been fine. Uh, yeah. Yourself? Yeah, 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 it's been good. Thank you very much. Uh, been productive, as we'll mm. discuss, you know, quite shortly. And yeah, it was, to be honest, I, I really actually had a nice break. It was just nice to actually spend time with my family, you know. Mm. <laughs> it sounds bad because mm. I'm disappearing all the time. But, you know, with work <laughs> and, and everything, I, I managed to, you know, spend a, a nice good amount of time with my daughter and, and actually mm. do the stuff that I miss out on when I'm, you know, during, yeah. during the week when I'm at work and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So, no, it was it was lovely, actually. And oh, good. It, it was nice to actually do some sort of what I call fun Warhammer in the sense everything I was doing mm. was sort of not really in relation to like a deadline because obviously you know as we do because obviously we do a lot of reading and researching yeah. but obviously we, it's tied to you know a, an episode where it was nice to actually just sort of go oh I'm just going to browse this I'm going to read this where, but mm. there's no sort of mm. pressure on it it's like oh I don't need to remember any of this because I'm not doing it for an episode I'm just doing it for the love yeah. of it <laughs> yeah oh. so that Hold was on. good speaking of doing it for the love of it I've totally forgotten something that we should have discussed in our pre-show um i it's the it's a new year it's a new us um which means i'm going to do a do a giveaway because i have a code for total war warhammer that i'm not going to use hello Um, i don't have to go get it though so maybe in a different segment but we'll see at some (laughs) point during the episode in the drum roll (laughs) i will i will i will read out a code please don't enter the code if you already own total war warhammer i'm pretty sure it will do nothing in that case yeah Uh, but the first person to enter it gets it so you know yeah well 
Yeah. Just don't say we're not generous. Oh, well, at least Cameron yes. is. This, this, so. this, thing, this thing I got for free when I ordered in my talk Garaton. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See? He, he, brings, he brings gifts oh, for them. He brings that, many gifts. He does. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay. Well, yes. At some point during this episode, we will throw a code out. And uh, we'll, mm. we'll actually, what we'll do is let's not decide now. So people have to yes. go all the way through the episode oh, <laughs> to find out yes. where that code is. But at some point, it's appearing. So, no, thank you very much, Cameron. Um, right, actually, talking of you know this episode, what are we going to be talking about? Right, well, as always, we'll catch up on our hobby stuff that we've done over the Christmas New Year break, because hopefully we have been productive. And then we'll also catch up on, obviously, all the Warhammer news, a decent amount to talk about, some actually quite prominent bits, but we'll get stuck into that a bit later. And... For the main topic today, we're going to discuss the AOS novel Court of the Blind King, which is talking about the Eidneth Deepkin, which is very exciting because yes. we haven't oh, done yes. that for a while, probably since oh, the, oh, oh. the Battle Tome. Um, oh, and, uh, I should have brought the Battle Tome with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll, get, I'll grab mine in a couple mm. hours' time. <laughs> so, and then for the discussion topic at the end, uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that we would like to see in the ninth edition of 40k as and when that ever appears. Mm. So that is today's, or this episode. So uh, just a little bit of catch up on a few other things and also tell you what's happened lately and regarding the show and some of the things we're doing and also some of the things that are going to happen in the future. So uh, we, just to sort of play catch up, we uh, gave out some of the AOS Reminder giveaway codes that we were kindly donated Mm -hmm. by uh, Davis at AOS Reminders. We did a little competition in our sort of last main episode back in december so uh congratulations to the winners that we've given those codes away to hope you enjoy them again Mm. trying to just reinforce how generous we are Uh, we'll try to to be anyway (laughs) but no thank you davis for for doing that um right what else uh also if you haven't seen it back sort of i think it was released either new year's eve or new year's Mm. day around that time uh warhammer waffle episode three came out we did a little waffle in between these two episodes so if you haven't seen mm-hmm. it go check it out uh also we've got a competition running um which depending on when you listen to this may be coming towards the end of the the deadline as we have alluded mm. to, to before we are very much in love with tor garadon um <laughs> as a as a model and as a character and so we basically i think it was about a week or so ago we announced on our Discord and on Twitter, that basically we were doing what we've called the Tor Converted On uh, contest. <laughs> so basically, you take Tor Garadon, you kit bash slash convert him in any way you want. You can use whatever you mm-hmm. want to do it with. Um, you then don't paint him, or we have said that you can prime him, but yeah. you know it's not a painting competition. It's a you know it's a converting competition um you then name this character that you've made out of him and obviously give just a little bit of background just like a paragraph of yeah this is this is so and so and what what he is um and then you send it to us by i think the deadline is the 4th of feb off the top of my head yes. it'll be on twitter yes. and discord but we basically gave a month for people to do that and then basically you can win a gw voucher and obviously mm. just the prestige of winning such a glorious competition oh. um yes, so absolutely. basically after the deadline there'll be a week where we'll put it up on on twitter and basically let the public decide who's going to win mm. so 
So, yeah. yeah, if that's of any interest to you and you've got time to, by the time, like I said, you listen to us saying this, <laughs> then uh, you mm. are feel free to enter. So look forward to seeing what people produce. And obviously as well, you have mm. the luxury of seeing what me and Cameron do as well. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, I think, exciting. I think we should state ethically we are not going to be entered in the competition yeah, part of, of the competition. <laughs> Because I would feel weird gifting myself a Games Workshop voucher. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, we, are, we are joining in for the fun of it, for the love yeah, of the hobby. Exactly. I mean, whether we, you know, put it in on behalf of, you know, new user 7256789 that just randomly <laughs> appears on Twitter. and Ah, uh, yes. Pillar yeah. of our community. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's all very exciting. Um, also, again, we, uh, we got our anniversary coming up soon our second anniversary that's next month so in a, just over mm. a month's time um we've sort of decided if again if you listen to the waffle episode recently we sort of decided there and then what we're going to be doing where basically we're going to start the creation of a knight versus knight sort of combat game and mm. the rules that go with that so that'll be a bit different <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll just see how yeah. we wing that <laughs> um what else? Uh, and also, um, which could be of interest to hopefully quite a few people, that um, Adrian, who uh, I don't know if it, well, I can't remember the last time he was on the show. It was quite a while ago. But it was basically, a little while back. Yeah. yeah. He came on He's to. one of our first spin offs. Yeah. Yes, yes, it was. And he, he came on the show to offer his painting advice. But um, he's going to be joining us on the show soon for a special mental health and the hobby episode. So mm. uh, very different, something we've not done before, but we something we thought would be quite important to do at some point. So um, mm. we're just organizing dates and such like at the moment. So that'll be something that you will see some point, hopefully in the next couple of months. Well, that'll be a, a little spin-off episode. So look out for that as yeah. well. Um, mm. uh, what else? Uh, new music. So obviously <laughs> we don't know what that'll be at the moment. Uh, well, we do know what it will be, but obviously we're recording <laughs> it right now. So it'll be only relevant to, this show when it's edited but yeah basically the our main our main music's not changing but um a friend a friend of ours uh jake lionheart has uh we i commissioned him to do us a, a few little new music so hopefully our next one waffle have a different uh theme song to it and also uh our break music you know in between our breaks that'll be slightly different as well so you know you'll hopefully hear this for the first time this episode but Ooh. I haven't done it yet, so I'm only predicting because <laughs> <laughs> I've not edited it yet because I'm recording it right mm. now. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, look out for that as well. So yeah, there's plenty going on. Um, and mm. as always, if you want to see how you can support the show, see where we are on social media, etc., go to the notes of this episode in your podcast player of choice. Um, right. Okay. Let's talk Discord as well because. As always, you're all more than welcome to join our lovely, gorgeous, sexy Discord server where you can talk about Warhammer with like-minded and great people. And if you do, you can ask us a question. And this is this episode's question. And this comes from Smells Like Zero Spirit. And he asks, if you could bring back one removed component of Warhammer, squats, Battlefleet, Gothic, Soaps, Chaos Dwarves, Mordheim, etc., all those sort of things, what would it be? And the harder part, if you had to give up an existing component for this, what would it be? So basically, what you know, something Ooh. that's what would you like to bring back, and what would you like? What would you have to remove if you had to make yes. that decision? Right. <laughs> Ooh, oh, that's that's a little difficult. I mean, 
part of me wants to leap on the obvious thing, which he mentioned in the question, which is, I would love to see Mordheim back. Mm -hmm. Hello, it's me, the man who loves incredibly granular character building systems within within his games um <laughs> because Mordheim was great i've played i've played a decent bit of Mordheim. it's a lot of fun i feel like warcry is really cool but it's a very different beast and i still feel age of sigma as a setting could really use something like that call it like the, the streets of excelsior or whatever yep. you know have have it in the back alleys of the city of prophecy and stuff like that that'd be radical it'd be so good they should do it Games Workshop, I know you listen to us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> however, giving something up for it, ooh, this is going to be weirdly specific. Okay. I think, mostly because I've never seen them used recently in any form or fashion, removed from the main Warhammer 40 game the, the auxiliaries for the Tau Empire, because I've never seen mm -hmm. anyone run Vespid, I've never seen anyone run any form of Crute, um, don't remove them from the fluff, but if you're not going to support them, their models are all ancient. We've had one new crew in like 15 years or whatever. Um, just, just, just let them go. The Tau probably don't need them. Give us some cool Tau Primaris with plasma, <laughs> with plasma blades attached to the ends of their hands so that they can do melee or something like that. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but, but like. Either, either get rid of them or massively expand them and make the Tau a big mishmash conglomerate like a Gene Steeler Cult slash Tyranus slash Militarum Army. That'd be cool. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Solid choices. Um, I'd agree with you on, on Mordheim. I think that's, you know, like we said before on the show, Warcry is great and it does what it's supposed to do exceptionally well, but obviously it does lack a bit of the crunchiness that certain mm. people like mm. to chew on. Um, they love that crunchiness, <laughs> that crunchy flavor. Uh, so no, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, I mean, I think maybe with Mordheim, sorry, with uh, Warcry doing so well, maybe we will see, you know, a Mordheim type thing come down the future. You know, maybe that mm. the, the showing how well this is done. It depends, doesn't it? Because I suppose with you know, the reason yeah. that Warcry's done so well is probably because of how simple it is. Um, I mean, it does yeah. have obviously a little bit of complexity, but generally it's quite a simple game to play. So, and maybe that's why it's done well. So I suppose, mm. you know, if they did a more time, that's only going to probably be a certain subsect of the community that want that. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, we would, but uh, you know, oh, it, it's, you know, they, they, <laughs> I suppose they've always got to put the business head on as well. You know, think, right, mm. would, is this actually going to be something that the masses want or is it only going to be like a certain amount? But then, Flip side is, I suppose that goes for a lot of the specialist games. That's why they oh, are yeah. specialist games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like Aeronautica, Aeronautica Imperialis and Titanicus are great. They're very cool. They're not spread throughout the entire community like a wildfire. They're very well loved, from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. uh, but not not everyone and their mothers rushing out to buy a Marauder Bomber or a Warlord <laughs> Titan. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. But, but though, I mean, it has its play. And, and realistically, these things must be doing, you know, reasonably well. Otherwise, oh, yeah. they wouldn't exist yeah. anymore. So, yeah. Okay, mm. cool. Okay. Um, well, um, if I had to bring something back, um, it would be, I suppose, the main thing I would want to bring back is something that's also mentioned in his question. It's probably Chaos Dwarves, because I Ooh, yes. really miss them being a thing. I know that, I know we got the, 
uh, was it the, was it the uh, Legion of Asgore? Is that how they, yeah. I think that's what they're called, isn't it? The, yeah. you know, they they exist, but obviously, you know, they're Forge World, they're not very common, and they're mm. not, they don't quite have the aesthetic of the older ones to, you know, to a massive degree. Uh, I, I I suppose I'm, you know, it's funny me saying that because I'm not really a fan of dwarves, as I've said. I think I, when I've answered the question before that if there's one army I wouldn't collect, it would be dwarves. But I think mm. I would make a, a special place for Chaos Dwarves. I used to love them back in the day. I think their aesthetics were fantastic and it oh, made yeah. sense. And, and also the fact that also in, you know, in AOS now, they, they exist. We know there is Chaos oh, yeah. Dwarden. Uh, that yeah. aren't necessarily the Legion of Asgore. So, uh, yeah, I would. I think that would be one of them. I think the other one I would love them to bring back, and I always keep banging on about it, is Epic, Epic 40K. Mm. Um, I think that that's something that always has a little special place in my heart. Little, little you know, space, because it's little models. Um, yeah, but, you know, there's nothing better than, <laughs> than painting, you know, inch-sized land raiders. And, and oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's, for most of us where, you know, you're trying to get your, your armies built, if you can go, look, I've just built a 2,000-point army in five minutes, it's great. Mm, <laughs> there you go. Mm. There it is. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel, that, I feel they could be heading towards that, like, Titanicus and Aeronautica and Imperialis are both same scale. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I'm very intrigued by the guy at my hobby store who 3D prints tiny land raiders to put underneath his wall or Titan's feet. But I'm very intrigued by the concept of tiny land raiders. Mm. Uh, they look great. I just 3D printed and sanded up. So I would love to see Games Workshop do them. And if they're really going to expand on that and like maybe that's where the future of Apocalypse is, you like Apocalypse on the normal 40k scale can only go so far yeah I, lo- I love seeing the big armies but at some point it's too difficult to transport them even if the system allows for really quick play so i would kind of love to see the super scale down you brings you know i brought five thousand guardsmen to today's fight they took up a single carry case <laughs> Here, here they are on their little stands with with twenty of them to a stand, pop, 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 mm. pop, 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 or whatever. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah, I think well, they I mean, might do that. Yeah, it might well, take a while. Well, I've, I've from what I read actually the other day that this was off the back of someone that went to the Warhammer open day, which was quite recent. That and mm. you know, again, you can take this with a pinch of salt, but they they asked the various people um, at obviously that they could speak to at the convention. Um, and I think the basic answer was that, that it's something that they want to do at some point to bring mm. back Epic 40 K or, well, I suppose it'd be more Epic 30 K because basically what they, it would, like you said, it would be a natural progression on from, from Titanicus and Aeronautica as well. And, but I think it's it for the answer was if they do, it's not, there's, they have no plans to do it, but it's something they would like to do. So if they did, mm. it would be quite a way off. So it's sort of, you know, never say yeah. never, but there's no immediate oh, yeah. plans to do it. So, mm. yeah, we'll see what that is. We'll see. Um, yeah. uh, removing something. Um, can we can we remove the Imperial Guard in general? Oh, oh he said it. He said it. No, he said I, it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's just my... I don't like the Imperial Guard, but no, I'm only joking. I would never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that for all the many Imperial Guard fans out there. Um, no, I think actually... Pick it up on your your tower answer. I think I would probably remove the crute and the vespids and such like mm. from the tower. I know that sounds a bit yeah. weird because obviously they they are cool in their own way, but I just feel they're a bit. I don't know. Like they they're sort of there for the sake of it. I like it's one of those where mm. I'd rather them be all or nothing. 
Either they have yeah, their own thing yeah, and they're exactly. like quite a massive part of the Tau force. You know, you can, you've got all these mm. many crude, you know, um, units and characters or just don't have them at all. Because I just, I just feel mm. like they're just sort of just stuck there on the side. And I know they have relevance to, obviously, to the Tau, but I don't know. I just feel I'm not a fan of when a faction, whether it's AOS or 40K, when they've got these other mm. characters, like a little sub race, but they don't really do anything with them. I think either, you know, either yeah. go for it. Yeah. Um, like, like look at the Chikari in, in, you know, in comparison, you know, all the Covens and like, you know, the, the, what's it? The, uh, what are they called? The, the, the very weird ones. Uh, mm. I, I forgot what they're called. Anyway, um, <laughs> like all the ones that, that from the experiments and things, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, the Those homunculi ones. stuff. That's it, that's yeah. the ones. Um, yeah, like that sort of stuff, I, you know, I sort of get, you know, it's sort of like they're prominent, you can field a whole coven of them if you want, whereas mm. I think with, like, like I said, with the Vespids and the crew and such, like they're sort of just, I don't know, more legacy stuff, really. So yeah. I, I'm just picking, you know, I apologise for anyone that likes them because I'm, I'm picking <laughs> on those particularly, but I, met, I, I suppose that in general, you know, just any, mm. any, mm. either do go, go in, you know, go, go hard or go home, you know, with them sort of thing. So, <laughs> but, uh, but no, to be fair, there's not much I would want to take away. I want more yeah. stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Not less stuff. <laughs> exactly. But no, thank you very much for your question. Right. Okay. That's the, uh, the discord question. So now that means it's time to get stuck into the hobby section. Right. Okay. Let's do it. Let's get stuck into the <laughs> hobby stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've had a nice little break. Cameron, tell us all what you've been up to. Oh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a busy 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 time. Um so those of you I'll, st- I'll start with the the big annoying stuff. Uh so those of you who've been li- who listen to our latest Warhammer Waffle know that I'm working on a night castigator for my night household. Yay. <laughs> um which was a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to work on. It's sort of, I would say, like a third of the way through being painted right now. Um, uh, but yeah, it was great. I got it secondhand off eBay. Um, uh, it looked like it was partially assembled on the listing, but I guess they broke it back down to fit it into a box to send <laughs> to me. So I, I appreciate that. I had to clean a relatively minimal amount of super glue and stuff off of this. Um, uh, but yeah, it was, it's been a lot of fun to build. Um, it has a lot of pieces. Uh, for example, the leg from the shin down, I think it's 15 separate pieces just for that on each side, um, which is a, it's a <laughs> lot. But the upside of that is there's this massive amount of posability and you don't have to hack and slash and cut away for hours to get to it like you do with uh, Plastic Knights, which is like, if we ever see a new new Knights kit, which I'm sure we'll see, eventually probably yonks away at this point yeah i would really love to see one with poseable plastic legs because i think it's absolutely doable with their current technology they just you know don't want to devote that much extra space on the sprue to putting all the leg bits chopped up separately and like the way they build the legs you'd have to do each side of the leg as well so i can see it taking up more space but at the same time i think it'd be really cool people are already doing it it just takes a lot of work so just you know games workshop step in build a supposable yeah, leg plastic knight yeah help us <laughs> out um but it was a lot of fun to pose uh it was a lot of work to pose especially because i'm 
a special snowflake and everything has to look interesting and different for me. So this one is dynamically <laughs> leaping up a slope out of a pit of sludge, which means its back foot is balancing on the very tip of a toe and the front foot is brought all the way up to like almost chest height, like standing on this, uh, on this steep embankment. Um, and it took a lot of work to fix, uh, to fix in place as it were. Um, again, those of you who listen to the waffle know I talked about diversifying your toolkit. Uh, when it comes to modeling, uh, I got really into using epoxy. Uh, I used a two-part epoxy that comes like in a single plunger thing. It's very helpful. Um, and it was great. And that thing is steady as a rock now, which is impressive, given how precarious its position is. Uh, as part of that, I built a pilot. Uh, I bought a Gene Sealer called Clamavus, I think it's called, the mm-hmm. box speaker guy. Uh, and I cut him all up. Uh, got him in a seating position, gave him the alternate head that has like the little rebreather mask and everything. Um, and I'm really, really happy with how he turned out, actually. Uh, he, Once I built the cockpit of the night, I realized he needed to be cut down even further to actually fit in there properly. But he fits <laughs> in there now. Uh, and it's dark enough near the bottom of the cockpit, you don't even realize I cut most of his feet off to get him to fit properly. It's fine. They're just tucked under the command console. Don't ask where his feet are. Uh <laughs> Uh, and that was actually the first bit I painted was the pilot and cockpit and I had a lot of fun with it Um, because you know uh, all my nights so far haven't actually had proper interiors to look at and this one is fully (laughs) furnished it's got a chair, it's got a reactor it's got um, all the monitors and screens and things that he's meant to look at uh, which is really really cool again these kits are awesome one day I'll get one direct from Forge World and not have to clean all the bits off and stuff like that but <laughs> for now I'm really happy with this one um, and I, I'm pretty happy with how how I painted him I think he's one of my better pieces of work uh, he mm. has eyebrows which is nice <laughs> uh, mostly for me include eyebrows <laughs> oh yeah uh, like I, I painted him normal all skin color and stuff and then accidentally got a splash of black on uh, just above one of his eye goggles and I'm like oh I just put one on the other side, and now he has eyebrows. So it's fine. <laughs> I didn't realize he needed them until he needed them. Um, uh, but I'm pretty happy with him, and I've modeled it so that you will be able to see him at all times. Uh, for a while, I tried to like hinge the top cockpit lid thing, uh, but that wasn't going to happen because I'm an impatient person, and my drill bit only goes so small. Um, so instead, I've already th- already talked that the theme for this night was going to be swamp thing. Uh, so instead I've got it covered in these growing creepers and vines, some of which have burst out from the cockpit and lifted the cockpit lid off to one side, uh, so that you can see in there. I will eventually fill it with resin to make it look like it's underwater, but I'm going to paint the rest of the night first so that I don't get paint on top of the resin and stop you from seeing what's in there. Um, (laughs) speaking of that, I finally got to use all the Games Workshop vegetation I bought, like the, they got the creeping vines and the, the kraken ferns or whatever they are called i think that there's those two separate little boxes um and those are really fun to work with the plastic is really interesting because it's super flexible and bendy i think i mentioned this back when i got them but like you can fold a sprue in half without damaging anything on it which is crazy uh and it just springs back uh so they take a little more work to fix in place but you can really wrap them around stuff and kind of go nuts with it so that's been a lot of fun um i've done pretty much all the metal on the body and so I've been heavily weathering that down, lots of typhus corrosion and lots of sponging and speckling, all kinds of stuff. And I hope it will look okay in the end. For now, it still needs a bit more. 
Um, but then I'll go in, I'll do like the armor panels, like they're, they're going to be mostly rust as well. So like the paint is chipped off and the primary actual color is going to be this vegetation in khaki and deep green all over the night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, yeah, still a ton of work to do, but we're getting there. <laughs> like I didn't realize how much bigger castigators were, but then I put him in a lineup with my already extra heightened, um, desecrator and he stands like the the top of the desecrator comes up to like the bottom of his bottom of his chest. Wow, so he's standing really? a good <laughs> yeah, he's like a good two to two two I'd say two and a half three inches taller than the uh, night desecrator I built. Oh wow, which okay. I mean I mean he's in a very tall position because you know his back foot is literally on tippy toes, mm. but it's it's still it's a really big kit, uh, and it's of course infinitely heavier than any of the other kits I've used because it's <laughs> yeah. made of resin, so it's like this brick. <laughs> that is, uh, I, 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 I put a lot of work and Hey, if you get one of these, here's a tip, put a lot of work in making sure that the hull of the night, the main body of the night sits perfectly center of the middle of the base. Cause I did that. And I'm very glad I did because if it was even a little bit forward or backwards or to one side, I feel this thing would be falling over constantly. <laughs> um, <laughs> just they're so tall. All the weight is very up high because the arms and the torso all connect right up like at this point, like six inches off the base or higher, probably. Um, so, you know, a stiff breeze could knock it over if it wasn't properly balanced. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've been looking at um, buying specific water modeling kits that, that you can get. Uh, there's a lot of companies that do like, here's how to do like the water for a, for a rapids waterfall on your train, train diorama. I'm like, cool, excellent. I'm going to buy one of those at some point to do the actual like water bursting where he's jumping out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's sort of the future stuff, but I've got to get so much painting done first. Um, <laughs> so <weird>. that project's, <laughs> yeah, that project, that project's there. Uh, but it's pretty good. Uh, and speaking of painting, uh, I had to house it for my parents for uh, Thursday and Friday. So the last couple of days and their internet is awful. I love you, mom and dad, but <laughs> my God, my God, that internet is disgustingly bad at times. Um, <laughs> so what else was there to do but paint 18 Plague Marines in about 24 hours, um, which I did. Uh, my face is honestly still a little sore. Uh, I think when I paint, I must have a weird concentration face that I'm not aware of because after a couple of hours, like, all my face muscles begin hurting. <laughs> um that's Nurgle. But, Nurgle yeah, taking over, uh, I think. It could, it could also be that. Yeah, just <laughs> seeping in through the pores. Um, but it was, uh, Sorry, it was a I lot of got, fun overall. I, I was going to say, it's, it's like a, an alternative to like, you know when people say like sex face, it's like, it's mm. like you're oh, Warhammer painting face. face. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. oh, oh. That's what his Warhammer <laughs> face looks like. <laughs> oh, God, that's awful. I love it. Um <laughs> But yeah, like uh, I think a little bit over a year ago now, I started building this squad of 20 Plague Marines all armed with melee weapons that I wanted mm-hmm. to be this big armored blob, uh, much like the armored wedge in Guy Haley's book, Plague Wars. Um, that was the initial inspiration for that. And uh, that project is now, without basing, I still got to do the basing, so, uh, but it's now uh, pretty much wrapped up in the painting and modeling department, which is awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, it took a long time. But uh, all I had was time. All I had to do was feed the cat and make sure I turned off the uh, the pump for the fish pond at night <laughs> so that the goldfish could sleep. Because um, apparently that's a thing. Um, 
and prevent myself from getting food poisoning. Uh, that's another thing. My parents have been away for like a week and a half. So my little brother's been looking over the place. So there's like no food that's in date left in the house. <laughs> so I sort of scavenged bits and bobs and somehow managed to avoid death. Uh, so thank you to the grandfather Nurgle for that one. Um, nice. But yeah, it, it was the first time in a long time I've really seriously buckled down and done proper batch painting. And I somehow got through it. Um, Thank you, Contrast Paint, for making this significantly easier. <laughs> uh, I did I did spill most of my Gillum and Flesh in the middle of it, so I switched to Dark Oath Flesh halfway through, but end result looks basically the same. Dark Oath Flesh is like a little yellower, which is actually probably even better for like jaundiced, grang- jaundiced gangrenous-looking armor. Um, but uh, yeah, I did... Let's see, I started with four, and I did those four on the first day and primed the remaining 14... <laughs> And then on the second day, I I woke up really early uh, because there were fires in the night, so it was all smoky, so I was waking up coughing and stuff like that, Uh, so I was up at like 5.30. So from then until 2.30, I just kind of sat down and painted 14 models all together, just doing stage by stage. So like I would do all the trim and copper first, then just give the whole thing basically dunk it in Gilman Flesh or Rike or Rikon Flesh Shade or Dark Earth Flesh, whatever I had available. And then from there, just do all the detailing with contrast, and they've turned out great. I've also varnished them. I didn't forget, because using contrast, you should varnish your miniatures. Um, yep. Yeah, and you don't realize how many 20 is for, like, <laughs> marine-scale models until mm. you put them all down and go, that looks like more than 20, but it's not. There's just... <laughs> <laughs> Those 32 millimeter bases are not used to being put in these big groups. I'm used to all these minimum size squads. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I uh, I can't wait to one day in future put them down on a table and utterly confuse my opponent as to why I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> See, that'll, that'll give you that yeah. nice tactical edge. And, oh yeah, yeah absolutely. until they get you know before they get blasted off the table. But hey, it was a <laughs> it was a hobby moral victory. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Hey, look, this guy brought four knights and twenty plague marines and nothing else. Look at him. <laughs> look at him. what is he doing? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, yeah. Let's see. What else? Uh, so we mentioned Tor converted on earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I should actually just freely start sharing pictures of this now that I've excluded myself from the potential winners, winnings of the competition. Um, mm. But, yeah, I've, I've got my Tor Garrett on. Uh, he's a beautiful model. He's actually a really, really nice model. The mm. only bit I find issue with is the head, which looks a little weird to me, um, which is why I cut the head in half and used the bottom <laughs> half of it to fit a new head in place. But, you know, <laughs> it's fine. Um, but, yeah, uh, so I'm going for a Lord of Virulence. Uh, which is a unit mentioned in the Death Guard Codex Fluff. Um, mm. So Lord of Contagion is just like a... It's a position. Like Lord of X is a title given to lots of leaders in the Death Guard, and Contagion is the most common because it means you love spreading disease and getting in there with a big, filthy axe, which is relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. <laughs> so that, that's that's why that's the only one with a model and rules. Uh, but some of the other ones are like Lords of Contagion who do like chemical warfare with like gases and diseases spread throughout the air and stuff like that uh and then there's the lord of virulence who is the master of artillery for the death mm. guard essentially uh and that seems really cool yeah, and Torgaradon 
Yeah, yeah, and Torgaron's pose is he's kind of just standing there on a rock, surveilling the battlefield, surveying the battlefield either way. Um, and I thought that would be really good for sort of an at-rest commander pose. So I've got him boot up on his piece of terrain. He's got a Blight Launcher in one hand. He's got a little Plague Spurt Gauntlet for close defense or just hosing down uh, nearby enemies uh, on his other wrist, on his little wrist. Uh, I've kept his big Power Fist for something else. I don't know what I'll use it on, but it'll be cool. Um <laughs> And then, uh, as you said, I showed I showed him to you, and you said he's basically unrecognizable because yep. <laughs> I I press I press molded a spare piece of armor from a death shroud terminator because like that that when you build the kit you get one front plate uh, left over that mm-hmm. yep. has like all the chest armor, all the waist armor, some of the uh, shoulder armor and stuff like that. It's all one big piece. So I press molded that super duper thin. Uh, filled it with green stuff, like, in, honestly, in places, this thing is, like, less than a millimeter thick, which is the trick, because then I let it set for a couple of hours, popped it out, and it was still super flexible, but wouldn't take my fingerprints and wouldn't smudge or anything, so it was already set, <laughs> basically. Uh, and then I carefully folded it around all the various bits of Torgaradon and glued it in place. Uh, I did some clipping, like, I took the big belly plate off, uh, because Torgaradon actually doesn't have a super long torso, no, uh, that's which yeah, but which now thinking about it means the Death Shroud Terminators are actually way bigger than I realize in comparison. <laughs> I haven't looked. I haven't looked at normal Terminators for so long that I feel like Death Shroud and Blightlord Terminators are the standard scale, and they're not. They they must be massive now that I think about it. Um, because <laughs> like they're they're bigger than him. They're bigger than Tor Garrett. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like they 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 got an extra. Well, they got an extra belly plate worth of body, which is like. Yeah, a good a good chunk of height on them, uh, even though they have fairly wide stances. Um, but yeah, uh, so I cut the belly plate off, and then I went, oh, I know exactly where to put this on top, so no, I don't have to try and sculpt top plating for this Terminator armor that I'm building onto him. Basically, um, you know, I've put all kinds of gadgets and gadgets on his back that I'm going to fill out with some more tubing and stuff. Um, but apart from that, he's pretty close to done, and I gave him the. Uh, the bear head from the Death Shroud uh, that has like the rebreather, and it just it looks like Vader when he takes his helmet off. <laughs> is the best yeah. way to describe that face. He's <laughs> yeah. got like tubes running everywhere. He's all scarred and everything, uh, and it's a really good menacing head. I actually really love it. Um, but yeah, I've kind of super up armored him. Like I've given him spare shoulder pads from the Death Shroud as well. So he's got like the big bulky cataphracty style slab shoulder pads and stuff like that. Um, He's got a little more tweaking to do. I need to, like, change his knees because his knees are very distinctly Primaris. So I might <laughs> press mold some Blightlord Terminator kneecaps and stick those on top instead. Cool. Uh, but apart yep. from that, I'd say he's nearly done in terms of actual conversion. Then I just got to work out how to hold them together long enough to take a photo without <laughs> gluing all the bits together because, like, there's already a lot of them is glued together. I still need to be able to get in there and, like, paint and stuff. So I'm trying not to glue the Blight Launcher in and stuff like that. Um... But yeah, I'm really happy. It's been a ton of fun, actually. It was a really, really good little uh, model to convert. He's surprisingly flexible. Um, good. Despite being one of these new multi-part character kits that just go together this way and no other way, you, you, you can mess around with it. Just get a pair of clippers and a knife. It's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like that pose, which is the powerful part, and I think the best part of the model is still there, which is that really good boot up, looking out, in Power control stance. pose. 
power stance. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I'm pretty happy with him to the point where I might try and write up a custom data sheet for him because otherwise I'd have to run him as like just a lord in Terminator armor, which is kind of sad because hmm. their rules aren't very good and they can't take blight launchers. Oh. Everyone should have blight launchers. Of they should. Yeah. Right, come on. Yeah. Come on. Sorry, um, Yeah. Uh, so that's the extent of my modeling and painting, I'm pretty sure. I read In the Court of the Blind King, mm-hmm. uh, of course. We're <laughs> discussing it today. Um, I don't think I read anything else off the top of my head, and I don't think I bought anything else except for Torgaradon and some paint. I think I'm good. I think... Okay. That's been my that's been my monthish worth worth of hobby. I'm pretty that's happy with That's good though. That's good. Mm. That's oh, mega yeah. productive, mate. You know, don't, <laughs> you've been on your A game by the sound of it. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, apparently. Right. <laughs> cool. No, oh, good. Um, well, before I talk about my A game, um, one thing we're going to start doing in our hobby sections now is at, in between. I think what we will do is we'll put it nicely in between our two sort of uh, sections describing our own hobby content is we're going to do hobby tip of the episode okay so this is sort of following on from our discord sort of question of the episode but obviously again Mm. you know we all have our own little sort of cheeky tips on or little bits of advice that we can share amongst each other so we thought we'd sort of open it up to our discord so hopefully every episode we'll have you know there's one little mini tip in between our little Mm. conversation so before I talk about mine, uh, this comes from Drew, uh, pillar of the community, and he says, as a, a little tip, uh, brush on plastic glue can remove mold lines in hard to reach areas that your removal mm-hmm. tool can't reach. Brush uh, perpendicularly, if that's the right way of saying it, to the <laughs> mold line mm-hmm. and leave to dry without touching it. Works for clothing creases or small corners or holes. So there you mm. go. If you've not considered Excellent. that, you know a thing to do before that's something that will work so thank you very much true right okay so what have i been up to um i've been a busy boy for for mm, once i've, I've actually heard. been i've been um and uh, uh, cameron there's actually photographic evidence <laughs> of it as well mm. um <laughs> in 2020 uh yes there's um i've been doing quite a bit but what i'll do actually before i talk about what i've been sort of working on i'll talk about what i've sort of what i got for christmas and what i've bought because then it'll tie in to what mm. i've been working on so i'll do it sort of slightly around the other way around so um so yeah i was you know father christmas was quite generous to me uh i know it was my family uh you know <laughs> but <laughs> i'm old enough now <laughs> i can drink um so um i was <laughs> i was lucky enough to get a few lovely bits so i got the beast core raiders start collecting box which mm. ties in nicely with the ogres that I'm about to talk about. Um, I also got Tor Garadon myself. I've not started him, unlike yourself. I, I have a plan for him, but I'll wait until, just in case I change my mind, I'll wait until I start working on him, and then I'll reveal what I'm going to do with him. But i got an idea anyway. Um, I got an Invicta Warsuit, um, which mm-hmm. is one of my favourite models of last year. So yep. I'm looking yep. forward to uh doing something with that at some point this year so that's the bits i got for christmas and um i also bought myself randomly aeronautica imperialis um that's a game i wasn't ever considering buying it's always something i wanted to play um and at one when last time we went to warhammer world i we almost played it we just run out of time but um Alex on our Discord, one of the guys obviously we meet up at Warhammer World, uh he spotted it for like I think it was like twenty just over twenty quid. 
brand new oh, on nice. eBay. And it was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it wasn't a scam. It's actually, it was legit. Mm. It was one of those where you think, oh, that's a bit too cheap, really. But yeah, it wasn't. And so I, I got that for myself at some point. Um, and also mm. I have got coming next week, it's just it's just been dispatched. I've got a great more pot on the way as well to go with my ogres. Mm. So Excellent. all very cool stuff. Uh, but right, let's talk about what I've been working on. And it's been, it's got two themes, chaos and ogres but not the same they're not mm-hmm. chaos ogres mm-hmm. unfortunately no but <laughs> so so the so one thing i've been doing uh as well as let me talk about the chaos side so uh, i finished building my feculent normal because it's one of those that's mm-hmm. been sat around on my hobby desk for i don't know last couple of months it's one that i got like i don't know yeah. a, a quarter of the way through building it and then yeah. just stopped just because other things got in the way so and I, it was just one of those where the more it stays there, the more chance it's going to break. Something's going to go on top of it. Something's going to snap. And I thought, no, let's just get it done. Um, it's a gorgeously disgusting model when you put it together. Oh, yeah. It goes together oh, yeah, really nice. Unfortunately, I had to I had to use um, Reddit to actually work out how to build it because for some reason it didn't come with any instructions in the box. For oh, some reason. I mean, I'm weird. sure I could have worked it out, but, you know, I just uh, thought it's always nice to double check. So. So that's all built. Mm. Um, I also uh, built, uh, well, I actually bought, because uh, I went into my local GW between Christmas and New Year, um, mm. just because I was passing and I fancied, you know, spending some Christmas money. So I bought myself a Demon yeah. Prince. Um, and yeah, he's lovely. So I built him. I built him and knocked him out in a relatively short amount of time. So I got him to go with my uh, my Nurgle or Slaves to Darkness sort of stuff that, i've got so he's lovely he's got to be careful with again a bit like the castigator you were talking about you've got to be a bit careful because his wings are very heavy uh in yeah. comparison to the rest of him so you, <laughs> yeah make sure you you know you've got him in in the center or actually arguably i'd say lean him if you have a if you haven't built a demon princess i'd probably put him a bit mm. further forward because his, yeah. his wings are obviously slightly towards the back obviously but they're very weighted so yeah be careful when you're building it but <laughs> for an older model or relatively older oh, model yeah. it still looks really good and mm. yeah um i've kept him generic at the moment um but that may change <laughs> we'll see <laughs> so that was the chaos side so i've managed to build those um and like i said regarding my ogres i've I've, I've managed to build just over a thousand points in wow. since Christmas. Um, mm. I know it's ogres and I know, you know, that's not a ridiculous amount of models. You know, it's not like I'm doing Skaven or something, but it, yeah, it's, you know, I, what I decided to do is sort of prior to Christmas, I wanted to work on the gut buster side of my ogres and then on the, mm. on the hope that I got some beast claw for Christmas, which I was lucky enough to get, then I'd work on them afterwards. Um, and in combination to that, what I've done, like a lot of people, is I started from New Year's Day, and every day now, even if it's a, even if it's ten minutes, I'm doing hobby stuff at mm. least once a day. Uh, obviously, Good. sometimes it's longer, and it and it's working because mm. that is why I've now got, like I said, just over a thousand points of ogres uh, built now. So what I've yeah, done is I've built uh, that's twelve gluttons, that's four mournfang, mm-hmm. that's two lead belchers, it's a tyrant, and it's a butcher. Um, so good. that's all yeah it's been and it's been fun it's been really fun mm. building them mm. um my my thought was if i get enough like at least a thousand points built then it means i can get at least i can go and play locally um mm. i know obviously they still need painting and that will happen shortly but i just thought if they're not built 
then you can't play with them. Yeah, <laughs> at least, that's you know, fair. you know, it's, it's a, I know obviously painting is important as well, but if they're built, you know, it's you're at least halfway there, at least you can do something mm. with them. If they're yeah, still in the sprues, yeah. you can't do anything with them, but, uh, they're great. I mean, for, again, old, for, you know, slightly older models, they're still really good. I love, I love, 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 love how interchangeable their kits are. I love the fact mm. you can, with, you know, within reason, you can take most of the parts off one kit and it will mix with, the you know the norm the other kits and it's brilliant yeah, so yeah. with my gluttons because i i built six sort of before christmas and i finished this the other six well as of yesterday and mm. what's what i've done is i've deliberately put in mixed in like mournfang heads you know the odd yeah. the odd thing here just just again just to you know diversify them a little bit as well and mm. yeah they you know and like on the again on the on the mournfang i did the other way where i, I gave them a you know a couple of them a glutton face instead you know so just mm. again you know just, it's little things they're not massive yeah things but it just again it just the variety makes such a difference mm, and mm. um the one thing i'm really happy with and i've still got to finish him as such is my butchers and what i've done is i've used a the ogre from the blood bowl team uh, mm-hmm. to make my butcher put him on a 50 mil base i then took one of the one of the sort of big swords from the glutton kit i then cut it at an angle so now it basically looks like a cleaver put it on his yeah. hand and yeah and now what i'm going to do now i've finished the bulk of these ogres and i put it on our discord yesterday uh, yesterday where i've got about 20 sprues of gubbins still left from all these kits <laughs> and so oh, what i'm going to do is i'm going to get all the little bits and because obviously with these kits you get like like knives and cleavers and meat mm, and on hooks mm. and such like i'm given literally going to give him like a batman belt of meat and <laughs> knives and cleavers he's literally just gonna be oh, just one big belt of stuff basically oh so, that's great and yeah just i love properly, that well I, I was considering and giving him an apron but i'm quite mm. happy with the way he is i don't feel like yeah. he needs an apron um i just thought it'd be quite cool to do it that way and ultimately he fits right he's on the right base mm. size he's got a cleaver in his hand which is what is you know what he'll be using when playing so mm. he's you know correct if you if that's yeah, the right way yeah. of putting it so yeah, I'm re- I'm just you know it's it's honestly doing, and I recommend this to anyone if if you're in sort of you know a position like me where you know you've got family, children, and you know time is always a bit here and there with an, an opportunity to do things is just just even if you do ten fifteen minutes, you know I sound like I sound like one of those people where they like you know just exercise for at least ten fifteen minutes, do a bit of meditation for ten fifteen minutes, so mm. just add another fifteen minutes in, do your hobby time. <laughs> For that as well and it works it, because even then you you feel like you've done something you know even if it is minimal even if it's just like right okay i've you know i've i've cut a few more pieces out of out of a sprue i've cleaned them up got rid of the mold lines glued it together because mm. then when you go to it the next evening if you've got you know an hour spare you've you've already you're already ahead of what you were doing you know what i mean you feel yeah. you feel like yeah. you're constantly moving and that's what i'm doing like i said i've been building like my mournfang you know they take a while because <laughs> you've got to build the, the mounts and then obviously build the riders mm. i did them over a few evenings and even if you do yeah. half of one a day you know we'll do you know if you've got plenty of time you do one a day it, you know it's, it's little things but then you feel like you know it's already well as we're recording this it's the 11th of, of uh, january but i've already got in theory mm. an army to, to yeah, that I can play with yeah. a small army, but I've got one to play with already, mm. and yeah, it's, and um, you know it's productive. It's really yeah, definitely. It's, I, f- I feel it's very appropriate for the army you're doing because much like the beast claws, if you always keep moving, you're always going to get somewhere. You exactly. know, you just stay a- stay ahead of the Everwinter. 
uh, in this case, the winter being <laughs> the guilt and depression associated with not finishing your models. Uh. Exactly. Well, exactly. And, that, and that's what I wanted. You know, now you said that, that's what I wanted to overcome. Mm. I'm, I get frustrated and, yeah. you know, and me and my family. So I know, I know it's, it's sad saying that because we're, you know, again, it's just, toy soldiers at the end of the day but i get very <laughs> frustrated when i don't mm. you know get anywhere where people are doing all these lovely wonderful things and yeah it, you know and this is you know i'm thinking right what is the best way of doing it and and this so far you know almost two weeks into the year it's working because i've already mm. done a lot more than i would ever have done you know in a, in you know three <laughs> months there oh and, yeah you know it, it just yeah and it's what i've done uh, strategically is that basically i've got a we've got a little sort of small dining table in mm. our lounge sort of because we've got a, you know, quite a sizable lounge it's on one of the so there's sort of like a little side area and in i just have my stuff set up there it's just my toolkit just with you know yeah. just with the, with, the, with the mat and everything and it's great because you know the, my family know just don't touch it so so i can yeah. have stuff literally in limbo you know i can have just it already mm. so then mm. so what i can do is i can literally go you know work on something for an hour La, you know last night and then i come there tonight it's back it's still exactly where it was before and i just carry on you know carry on and it's and it it gets stuff done it's yeah it's really yeah. definitely a good way of doing it um that may not work for everyone that's just you know it, but um so far it's working for me and it also means that as of today hopefully later tonight i get to start my stone horn which i yes. can't wait to do yes that's <laughs> such a good model i can't wait to see it's so good i i'm gonna do i want to keep the stone horn itself as as per but i'm gonna try to do a make do something different with the the frost lord on top i'm gonna you know Mm. do a bit of something with him you know even if it's a a head swap and a few other bits i just want to just just vary him and it's great because in theory once i've finished building him plus the bale wind that i've already built from ages ago i've already then that jumped Mm. me up to 1500 points (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and they were like, "Okay, I'm actually not, you know, I'm actually not far off get 2k at last." <laughs> and I, I don't think yeah. I've had, I can't remember when I've, if I don't know if I've ever had a 2k army built, even when I was younger. It was always smaller army, so mm. yeah, mm. so yeah, it's well, it's working I mean, really well. Yeah, look, look and see if there's any battalions that fit what you've got because you would be on 2k probably if you fit a battalion in there. Well, yeah, that's a, that's what I'm thinking. Um, the only thing I need to sort out is my battle line choices. So I need to, mm. I think, if as long as I get some iron guts, um, and maybe I think in theory, if I get some iron guts and mm. get a couple more lead belchers, which I've actually got up in fit the Feast of Bones set up up in the loft because that will then turn into a unit of four which then in turn makes some battle line um oh, then i'd have really? um yeah they're, they're, as a two because obviously you have them as units of two or in mm. multiples of two um but it's only, they only become battle line when there's four and as long as you have a, a gut busters huh. general so in that's theory, actually really interesting i've never yeah. heard of a unit that becomes battle line based on unit size mm, before. yeah it's it's it, with that's the way ogres work basically the the mm. gluttons are unconditional battle line regardless of general yeah. then basically if you if you have a gut busters general then the uh iron guts and uh become battle line and mm. lead belches as long as there's four of them become battle yeah. line and obviously if you have a, a beast claw general then mournfang and uh mm. beast riders become yeah. uh battle line so yeah it's sort of just that's no, good yeah, working it out but uh yeah i say i've <laughs> it's uh it's really good i've really and, and most of all which is ultimately the important bit i've been enjoying it it's actually been fun it's yeah. not felt like a chore trying to you know get these built and such like which is you know ultimately in this sort of hobby you don't want it to be a chore you know that's just you know takes the fun out of it so yeah 
been i'm you know really pleased with so far so we'll see what uh comes of when we <laughs> reconvene in a couple of weeks for the next episode see what else i've, mm. I've done yeah, so definitely. yeah very exciting um and lastly book wise obviously like you i well i listened to the court of the blind king because i got it on audible and uh book wise i've got uh for christmas i got the orion trilogy the warmer chronicles Ooh. one so for back from yeah. the old world and um and yes well, a couple of days ago because i completely forgot i pre-ordered it uh the gloom spite <laughs> novel arrived <laughs> from mm-hmm. amazon um so i'm looking forward to reading that at some point but like you i've not really apart from uh court of the blind king i've not really read anything because i've been too busy building stuff mm. which is yeah quite nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um so yeah so that's been my hobby section so yeah, I think we're finally caught up now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I think that deserves a break. Um, yes. And when we return, we're going to get back stuck in to all that lovely Warhammer news. Back soon. <laughs> right, break's over with. Time to get mm-hmm. to the important stuff. Obviously, that is what's coming out and what is going to sabotage our bank accounts even further by all the lovely gorgeous stuff that we're going to probably see this year <laughs> so like i said earlier the the news has been you know been pretty good over yeah over the sort of christmas new year period because obviously things slow down towards the end of the year but then of course they just ramp back up again yep. and, and, <laughs> and we see all the lovely shiny gubbins that is coming ahead right so mm. let's start with 40k let's see what's been happening so yes, yes. Uh, one of the first things we saw in recent times is the showing off the new or the next uh psychic awakening book which is ritual of the damned mm. so yeah. so we know this is Dark Angels, Grey Knights, and Thousand Suns. That's it. That's those boys. Yes. That's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, think, looks looks like it'll be pretty cool. So it should be bringing Dark Angels up to speed, roughly, with um the other uh, loyalist chapters, shall we mm. say? Mm-hmm. Although I I don't know if they'll be getting doctrines or not. Um, because when, when they did the Blood Angels with, um, the Blood of Baal, uh, they said specifically, yeah, Blood Angels are Codex compliant, they're getting doctrines and everything. Mm -hmm. Whereas for this one, they just said, we're going to be bumping up Dark Angels to be, you know, better. Especially if you're a Ravenwing or Deathwing commander, you'll really like them. So I don't know, because they are not Codex compliant chapters, I don't know if they get doctrines. So we'll see, I suppose. No, they may get their, their own version of it. Because mm. it would be bizarre if they didn't get anything that's on par with it, because that would be oh yeah very harsh <laughs> on Dark Angels mm. if they didn't. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, I suppose we'll have to see. We'll really, see. I, um, I was, I'm I'm intrigued to know what they're doing with Grey Knights. To be honest, because yes. I know they've sort of you know they've sort of uh, insinuated from from memory that the that being mono Grey Knights will have benefits. Mm. Yeah, because um, that they'll get a essentially a doctrine thing called Master the Warp, mm-hmm. I believe is what it's called. So if yeah. you're running, as you said, Mono Grey Knight, you'll get some kind of bonus, which I think might be like the Sisters of Battle Sacred Rites, where if you've got a full Sisters of Battle army and nothing else, you get an additional bonus, one out of six, depending on, because it seems they, the way they said it is like maybe more a customization thing. So, you know... We're channeling Korn's aspect of the warp this this turn around, so we'll get all plus one attack. Or we're channel, channeling 
whatever, whatever. Not the actual chaos gods, obviously, but like the <laughs> the elements of the warp that pertain to those kinds of things. We're channel- channeling martial warp power, more attacks. We're channeling uh, envious warp power. We move faster to get to the things we need, like objectives and stuff like that. Who knows? Mm. It could be anything, which is interesting, or it could just be uh, you get the full blown smites if you're running only gray knights, which oh. would be crazy, actually. <laughs> That'd well, be pretty good. That's the thing. I mean, it, they they need something fairly dramatic to become on par with everyone else because they are mm. lagging behind, mm. unfortunately, because they keep getting nerfed in the past. And yeah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm a bit. I mean, not that I expected it. I'm a bit gutted they're not getting a new model. Um, but I'm not mm. surprised either. I mean, I suppose yeah. there was always call for maybe maybe Drago, maybe of have got an updated Maybe. model, for example, but yeah. you know, I, it, Grey Knights are sort of a bit left back, lagging behind at times. So I'm yeah. not surprised. But if if they get yeah. something that at least gives them a bit of oomph to actually, you know, because mm. you know they're, they're such a well loved army, yet people oh, you yeah. know, are struggling to run them just because they they just struggle to compete. So which you know, mm. especially compared yeah. to how the normal loyalist Marines are getting on at the moment. So I, you yeah. know, I get that. So yeah, let's wait and see. I'm sure. Yeah, we'll see more stuff happening, obviously, over the next mm-hmm. week or so, because I, I imagine that would be later this month, it's, I would imagine. It's coming in January, yeah, because yeah. they've announced the names of the next three, and they said they are specifically January, February, March, so we'll see yeah. later this month. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the Thousand Suns, they are getting, it looks like, sub-factions, which is interesting, because they get to dedicate themselves to one of the cults. Yeah. Uh, sort of harkening back to how they were back on Prospero, you know, you you were part of a cult, uh, which meant more like just a chapter within the Legion at the time, but mm-hmm. it's like, we could be seeing mini psychic disciplines depending which cult you pick, or just other different bonuses, who knows, again because they'll, they'll still have all the Thousand stun, Suns regular stuff, presumably, Yeah, but we just don't know how the cults will add on top of that, so it could be really good could be just nice and flavorful, who knows yeah no, it's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I suppose it, it's nice for them because obviously, you know, relatively speaking, they've got quite a small model set mm. they, in general compared oh, yeah. to some of the other stuff. So it's nice if even if with a, a smaller range of, of options that at least if they get options via, you know, sub-factions and such like. I mean, we, we see how well mm. it does in in AOS. So I think it oh, makes yeah. perfect sense to, to have it in 40K. Mm. So no, that's that's cool. That's again, it's another wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, at the same time, they showed off uh, Master Lazarus, because obviously this seems to be the mm. theme with a lot of this Psychic Awakeness uh, stuff. Obviously, see each sort of book, we're seeing at least one model, potentially, sometimes mm. more. Obviously, yeah. we saw more on the first one. Um, I don't know much about Master Lazarus, if I'm being honest. He's um, not a character I'm massively familiar with. Yeah, uh, so he's been in the background before. I don't know if he ever actually had a model but apparently he had a had a tussle with the Thousand Suns back when they attacked uh not pros- uh not not the Dark Angels stuff, but that when they attacked the Space Wolves on Fenris. Mm. Apparently the Dark Angels were also involved with that, and Lazarus got really busted up. But here he is, alive on the other side of the Rubicon Primaris. Um, <laughs> I quite like the model; it looks nice and decent. But what I really like about it is this, my friend, is a model with options. Yes. Um. So he comes standard with a sword and sword in one hand and his helmet under his arm in the other and a bare head. But you can build him with a power fist instead of a sword and holding a bolter instead of his helmet and with a helmet on. Which means there's actually quite a lot going on for a for a named character kit, which yeah. is quite impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty happy with that. Mm. Yeah. 
I mean, I mean, maybe it's a trend we'll start seeing a bit more of that. Mm. You know, these because I mean, I, I mean, again, I know we keep talking about Torgaradon, but it's, it's, you know, even though he's a named character with no real options, people have made so many <laughs> options out of him. Oh, like, hence yeah. why we're even doing a competition about it. And mm. it's, it's sort of maybe, yeah, especially with Space Marine stuff. I suppose that's maybe the way they yeah. realise that pe- this matters to people. Yeah, because like like you, like you, I thought, oh, you know, he looks, you know, when I first saw the character, I thought, oh, he looks cool. But I'm not, Mm. I'm not a massive fan of Marines with helmets under their arms. It can be a bit, Mm. you know, a bit boring. Mm. Whereas, like I said, if you can mix it up and give them those lovely Dark Angels winged helmets, yeah, Mm. definitely on board for that. A little, a little sneaky part of me wonders if he's not actually going to have special rules as a named character and he's going to be a stand-in model for Dark Angels Primaris Captain or Primaris Master as they'd be known, and that's why he's got options. Okay. But I maybe. feel like yeah. I feel like all the stuff they said around him he's probably an actual named character mm, with an actual yeah. shield. But then all the Primaris lieutenants are technically named because you can't copyright the word lieutenant. <laughs> no. Much like you can't copyright the word master is a bit difficult to do. Yeah. Um so it, it, there's the slight possibility is that I have a feeling he's probably actually a, a named character, just one with options, which yeah, is nice. Yeah. You, you really don't see that anymore. Well, no, but, I mean, and, but it, it, to me, it should be a thing. Ultimately, you know, they, okay, they've got their standard war gear, but they, you know, ultimately they should be, you know, using what they feel is most appropriate for the battle. If you're thinking from a law perspective. Mm. So, oh, yeah, no, I, definitely. I'm, no, go for it. Do it, Games Workshop. Do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, continue on with Dark Angels. I know this has sort of been and gone now, but obviously we saw the Dark Vengeance made-to-order uh, window open over... Was, that, was, that, was it before Christmas or... No, just after Christmas. Uh, it was just after Christmas. I think it was the week after Christmas you could <laughs> order it made-to-order. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's it was... I always remember it because I remember having some of the Chaos Marines from it. It was a, it's a really cool set, and it, I... You know, I thought it was cool that they brought it back for, a, you know, I think a week, wasn't it? So I, I hopefully they may do this with some of the other kits um, or boxes. Mm. Um, again, yeah. it's never a bad thing. I mean, I think it obviously it was slightly more expensive than it would have been when you it was, you know, on the shelves, you know, last mm. edition. But that's inflation. <laughs> that's just yeah. the way things yeah. go. So, yeah, that's, mm. again, you know, and, and, and it's good, actually, because also it, Will, I'm looking forward to seeing the models out there again. You know, people will start yeah. doing their own versions yeah. of stuff. You know, because I, I remember, you know, had that the, the, the Dark Angel stuff. You had that lovely librarian, the one I, who I mm. kit bash myself to be uh, Death Watch, and then you've got the again, again the you know the captain with the sword was always yeah. amazing as well. So yeah, oh I, yeah, let's wait and see what uh, mm. <laughs> what creative <laughs> ideas people have got. Uh, right, and don't forget mm-hmm. the only place to get cultists. Oh yeah, that aren't in a pack of three or whatever, or yeah. pack of six. Well, actually, which I was, is still weird to me. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, old choice, isn't it? I, I actually talking to the cultists that um, I remember reading on Reddit recently. There's one cultist in there, one that comes with a uh, an axe, and he's actually quite mm. a good model if you fancy doing a admec uh, sort of tech priest yeah. or such like. Because he's yeah, cause he would it, be. It's actually you know if you want to do something a bit different or you you know you just want to save yourself a bit of money mm. you don't want to buy a, a brand new tech priest yeah he's it, one of them one with the axe you'll see him in the in the photo if you if he's ever available he's quite a good choice to, mm. to do a bit of converting with as well so yeah that's quite a good idea uh 
Right, okay. Um, moving on to the next <laughs> Psychic Awakening after that, which is the, the greater good. Oh, boy. Right, Cameron. I, I, I'm, I was... Mm. I, I, just, I, I don't want to boast. You know, I'm not that yes. sort of person. But I was right. I said... Oh, yeah, you were absolutely I, right. <laughs> I said that it's part of Psychic Awakening. I predicted that Commander Shadow Sun would get a new model. And oh, boy, mm. she does. And oh, boy, she does. She's looking mighty fine. Um, God damn. I love this model. <laughs> I think this is great. She is great. Yeah. Again, doing the standard jumping off a rock thing, but she looks cool. She looks so cool. She looks strong and fierce and powerful. Yep. As befits one of the most feared commanders in the Tau Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she's just cool. And you get... I don't think there's any war gear options. There are. You get head there options. Is. No, oh, there, there is. Are? Yeah, you can, there you can are. change up her guns. You can. Ooh. Um, nice. Yeah, because basically it means you because you can basically use. Uh, I, well, I'm pretty sure you can. Um, I mm. think it's either fusion blasters or something else. I can't remember. I've read. I, I definitely rifles? read it somewhere that you that there was options mm. uh, with the weapons. Oh, good. So definitely, hundred percent with like you said with the help the help heads. So you can have a oh, yeah. you know, sort of you know no helmet helmet or half a helmet, half a, helmet. a visor. Yeah, got a, got a VR goggles on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, good point. And yeah, I and it's also answered one of the rumor engines with her very long mm. uh, ponytail, yes. which was yes. cool. And yeah, I, I I'm I'm I've said I said on Discord I'm hundred percent going to get her because she's m- one mm. of my favorite Tau characters and even though i don't collect them i just want that model i think it's lovely it's, yeah. it's one of those that deserved oh, a, an update and yeah. it's great it's nicely dy- like you said nicely dynamic mm. uh i love the fact you can it's got head options i think that's you know always well we saw it yeah. with abaddon didn't we um you know mm. back like early last year so yeah i think it's a lovely kit and obviously the good thing is we know she'll be out next month because like you said greater good it should be the fifth book that'll yeah. be out in february so she will be out in mm-hmm. february because they've said it will be alongside as well and yeah and it's good and again more xenos stuff you know it's again it's not always you know the primary stuff coming out so it's great to see that like i said the xenos stuff is you know like we saw with obviously the uh the the blood of the phoenix stuff that came out so no i'm mm-hmm. really pl- i'm so pleased at this i really am and <laughs> i know obviously there'll be people that, like tau people that would be obviously thinking oh, i wish it was commander farsight um I know he's still, you know, in fine cast, but he's still a decent model, in my opinion. Yeah, and he looks he, good. Exactly, and he did get an update. Obviously, it's still in fine cast, but she was much further out of date as a as a model. So mm, I think it makes yeah. sense that she got the update over him. But we'll see. Yeah, really good. Really, really pleased about that. And that was all again, obviously, at the Warhammer Open Day. And um, yeah, and Cameron, more sisters of battle. <laughs> more sisters of battle. <laughs> Yes. Um, so yeah, the range the range is partially up for pre order now, so that's nice. Uh, you got your retributors, your battle sisters slash um, Celestians slash the other form of squad they can build all in one box available. Uh, you got the Triumph of Saint Catherine mm-hmm. pre order, which is awesome with the Codex, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, there's more coming because they still got to give us those tasty vehicles and those. Yeah. Repentia and those Panadin engines and those Arcoflagellants and yada yada. There's a lot to this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, got to, we got to see the Battle Sanctum, yes. which I it turns that. out is a, it's an enormous statue of Saint Celestine as sculpted by Quentin Tarantino. 
um, <laughs> because for some re- for some reason she's not wearing shoes, and I cannot comprehend that. Because she got the rest of her armor on in the statue, yeah, she does, but she's yeah. just not wearing shoes, and it's very weird to me. But I really <laughs> like it overall. It's a beautiful piece. Mm, it's it gorgeous. looks incredible. Um, and it's, it's going to be good in the game as well, because it gives you another miracle die if mm. you've got a priest standing next to it every turn, yeah. uh, which is pretty good. Yeah, uh, they're, 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 they're almost here. It's yeah. the first thing in 2020 yeah. is... Uh, Battle Sisters, which is surprising. Yeah, I thought very, it would have been another month, but no, yeah, very yeah. appropriate. Well, I suppose to be fair, with the box, the you know the the army box set that came out, obviously uh, back end of November. It, mm. it, you know, I suppose they couldn't wait too long because, especially the fact that people have got their hands on the codex. Obviously, if you yeah got that army yeah. set, and obviously talking the codex is great because finally means we can get our hands on the codex. Yeah, and it means we can yeah. talk about the law in an episode <laughs> in the near future at last. I've been mm. dying to do that. Oh, so. there's some good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Good, juicy stuff in there. <laughs> there certainly is. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's let's go. Let's go over to the other side, Cameron. Let's let's go over to those yes. mortal realms over there. Jumping let's... through the warp portal. Yep. We're coming Ooh. out in the, the realm, realm of Sigma. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back and let's talk about Ether War. So mm. obviously, not no surprise here that. Uh, that obviously we knew, I said back end of last year, that there was three factions that still need updating, and here comes mm. two of them. As and uh, yeah, and now they're out as of, as of today. Yeah, literally. Uh, so obviously the disciples of Zinch and the Caradron Overlords are getting their sort of AOS 2.0 update, which is mm. obviously as expected. Um, I mean, the rumors yep. of this box set, as in a you know these two inner box set, was a while ago, and obviously it, yeah. it came true. Um, mm. what's your thoughts on what I've seen so far um, they're both very cool they've both got some cool things they can do um, Zinch is obviously very good at magic and now has its own endless spells which is great mm-hmm. Caradrons obviously didn't get any terrain because they don't really build things on the ground and they obviously <laughs> didn't get any endless spells but they are now home to my favourite rule ever which is one of their artefacts is called spell in a bottle and you pick oh, yeah. an endless spell from any other faction, mm-hmm. you pay the points for it, and it's yours. You yep. can cast it without it being unbound or dispelled awesome, immediately. Yeah, so uh, I actually watched a Caradron versus Zinch battle earlier today, okay. and it was an entire Caradron army with a wildfire Taurus from Beasts of Chaos. <laughs> it trapped in a bottle, and then they just let that thing loose, and it goes dun, 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 across the board as it's meant to do. So mm-hmm. It's awesome. It's super flavorful. Of course they would have something like that. Um yeah, they both they both seem pretty solid and mm. not crazy either. Like I'm not hearing at least online anything of like, oh god, it's fleshy to courts or scaping all over again. No, so, I, I, I think yeah. what I've seen is that the only the one that looks quite dangerous is the Zinch Flamer shooting army. Uh, Supposedly, yeah. if you look it up, there's sort of lots of shenanigans with taking lots of flamers of Zinch and. You can rock mm. a ridiculous amount of shots out of them, you know, and yeah, decimate. Yeah. It looks very that that may be very powerful, but no, I think I like you. I've not seen that they're. Oh my god, this is going to completely throw the meta. It's just they've been mm. raised. I mean, I mean, the, I mean, the good. I mean, the the vibe always between for these two factions was that obviously Caradron were severely underpowered. You know, since this, mm. you know, before they're getting this update, and obviously Zinch were always, you know, there or thereabouts. You know, they were never terrible, yeah. but obviously they weren't top tier either. So this is sort mm. of, you know, just you know, they've got a few nerfs. They've got 
obviously a few buffs. I think I like what they've done with the horrors. I like the fact that obviously mm. they still split, but I like the fact that you can, if you don't have the models, you can try and deal mortal wounds to the to your yeah. enemy instead of that, if, which is which cool. I, yeah. Which is really good, and you know the fact that that you can have they when they split they all they're all still one big unit you know so you can have mm. you literally can have multiple multiple colours <laughs> of horrors yeah. throughout the units and such yeah. like um, <laughs> yeah um, the only thing I I would say that uh, just going back to Etherwalks obviously you get the two uh, unique or mm. you know exclusive miniatures that, for this box until obviously whenever they choose to do them separately I, I must admit the Magister for the zinch i wasn't sold on i think it's a little mm. bit goofy as a model i don't i mean i don't think it's yeah. terrible but i'm not you know i wasn't wowed by it. i think i think it's the face really it looks like a mm. saturday morning cartoon bad cartoon guy cartoon villain um, yeah but you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> it's you know i mean um, so does the leader of an entire alliance within the game yeah Nick Ash, the yeah skeletal well, man yeah well, he, he, well, he, needs a, he needs a mustache to twirl doesn't he um, yeah. <laughs> i love it if that was an like as a, a, a april fools they did that like a new sprue upgrade for Nagash. Oh, god <laughs> twirling mustache <laughs> that would be great Oh dear. Uh, but no, I'm I'm as always I'm I'm pleased for both you know, both factions. You know, it's always lovely to get you mm. to get your update and obviously you get you know, you, there's the Zinch have got a bit more in this one obviously because like I said they've got endless spells and dice. But again, mm. going back to the endless spells, what you you know, you could argue, oh, it's a shame they didn't get their own unique one on the Caradron side, but would you mm. want that or would you like the fact you nah. can literally take anyone and nah. get the model? I'd probably <laughs> want that, to be honest. <laughs> so. I, look, I, I want the Carajon overlords who have somehow trapped Sigmar's meteorite in a bottle and then just <laughs> throw that thing down on an objective and go, no one's taking that. That's ours. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Or, or so. like even... Oh, God, actually... Because I, I, I kind of want to see the wording on that to see if it replaces the relevant keywords on the cards. Because I doubt it does. It's I'm, probably meant for more. You pick a damaging spell, but I just imagine picking the cauldron from Gloomspike Gits and putting it next to an allied wizard who suddenly knew the entire Gloomspike Gits <laughs> spell list. <laughs> and like, I don't think that would work, but it would be amusing if it did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you could have some real broken stuff <laughs> through yeah, that. It, yeah, it, it probably doesn't change any of the relevant keywords. No. It just lets you choose a nice mortal wound dealing and the spell yeah. and just send that sucker actually they should take the uh the slanesh mirror one and just use it to trap people yeah so they can't walk away <laughs> yeah. from it and then they can just gun them down at range yeah perfect i think it's lovely because it's, <laughs> it's just nice that you can because in theory if you're you know if you know you're going to consistently use one is you you get the mm. end of the spell and you almost you could you yeah know, you buy, it's, it's something that's like so different obviously to the rest of your army but you obviously you could still paint it in the same scheme is your army mm. if you chose to, mm. you know, so it's the, so it's almost like this is, yes, it's a Fane of Sinesh, but it's a Carajon Fane of Sinesh. Or you could even <laughs> go one step further and just, and, you know, just convert it and, you know, mm. like yeah. rather than there being a big demon face out of it, but bigger, big sort of big dwarf, you know, big Dwardin face. Mm. Yeah. Caradron Make face coming out of mad, it. Mad Caradron, Caradron invention that mimics it. Yeah. Spell. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's effectively the same, it counts as the same model. Oh, you could get so creative with that. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah take that mm-hmm. add that to the list <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> right so yeah so that's so as like we like we said that's all out now to to purchase mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so the other big aos one cameron Ooh. pointy elves we 
Pepperidge Farm remembers pointy up. <laughs> God, that video was really weird, but I kind of dug it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was clever. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I feel I feel they're trying to play it coy as to whether it's going to be light elves or shadow elves, but I'm pretty sure it's light elves. <laughs> well, I, I, I presume so because if you I, mm. in in the sense that they obviously they make reference to Teclas and Heish, so mm. in theory yeah. that's the realm of light. So you would think oh, they're yeah. light elves. Um, I presume mm. that because obviously there was no, from what we've seen, there was no mention of Malarian, who obviously used no, to be Malaketh no. in the old world, the dark elf guy. Um, mm. I'm presuming the shadow elves are another thing, but I, yeah, oh yeah, they, they will they, be. They're called pointy elves at the moment. That's all all we know. Mm. And someone noticed a trend of pointy hats and pointy yeah. spears and pointy yeah. arrows. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was a clever video, and and mm. we're seeing them this spring, which is yeah, you know, which obviously it, could mean anything because obviously that's quite a, you know yeah. a, a gap, but not that far away. Yeah, like within the next four or five months, they mm. will either be completely revealed or out. Hopefully, mm. out because that'll be that'll be nice to keep the pace up with that. Yeah, just get some more, get some more new semi-reimagined stuff like this is nice news to be on right after reading the first Ardeneth Deepkin novel yes I feel there's a lot they could do with them that would be really cool and interesting mm-hmm. and knowing what we know about Haish I think there's plenty of really rad stuff that yeah. could be coming and they've they've shown us like the outline of a model which I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it down now I reckon will be an avatar of Teclas or Tyrion or both yeah, yeah I agree in, in like the Eidolon of Mathland style you know? yeah. yeah yeah no i, I i'm totally because i was gonna i was gonna actually ask what your you know early ah, predictions you are um <laughs> so you, you you preempted me you knew ah. you read my mind mm. with your magic powers <laughs> and uh no i i totally agree i think that model will be an avatar uh, probably techless it looks like it but i mm. suppose like i said it'd be interesting to see if they do that how they would fit Tyrion in because obviously from what we know in the lore Tyrion is blind at the moment and he yes. uses Teclas's eyes to see mm. um but you, like you said we like the eidolons with deepkin we you could get two aspects you get the Tyrion aspect yeah. and the Teclas aspect you could even get mm. a twi- maybe a twin aspect like where they're Ooh, literally yeah. you know a bit like a bit like a diorama type model mm. you know because like i said we don't oh. know we don't know for certain that 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 shadow model you know that uh, one in, in in the outline is just just that by itself it could be you know a combination mm you know that we don't yeah. see so um i i think i my sort of you know very early predictions are that it'll be an elite army of sorts it'll be elite mm. elven army um as yeah. opposed to a horde one i think you'll be seeing potentially oh, yeah. eagles or a lot of flying stuff a lot of buffing mm. magic mm. type things i don't you know yeah um, I think that they, I think they'll be, when I say similar to the Bone Reapers, I think it'll be, they'll have sort of mechanics similar to that, like quite a, you know, mm. quite an elite army, quite self-contained, buffs itself, yeah. quite hard to break down, um, you know, can hit hard in the right areas. So, but, mm. yeah, you know, who, know, who knows? You know what? I reckon they'll keep them close enough to the old high elf aesthetic that they'll do something everyone has wanted forever, which is... As part of the release, they'll have a special army box, as you always do, and it'll be Light Elves versus Skaven, and they'll just release the old Isle of Blood kit. Oh, that'd be amazing. Because <laughs> that would be so good. Because the thing is, the Plastic Sword Master, all the high elf stuff in that was actually incredible. Like, mm, not just yeah. for the time, it still looks really good today. Mm. All the Skaven stuff in there was great. Easy to build clan rats, 
fantastic rat ogres and pack masters and a great plastic uh, claw lord. All kinds of great stuff. Like, I feel that would be uh, the perfect time to re-release that, because, come on, you've got it still. You've got the mold for it still there. We know you do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't throw these things away, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, that's the mm. thing, because it, it also then also asks the question of what they're going to, what happens to the sort of the current high elf stuff that's still lingering around. Because obviously, like we saw with Bone mm. Reapers, obviously Morgast models were sort of borrowed from <laughs> Legion of Gash. Mm. Oh yeah, you can use them in yeah. here as well. You know, will we see what will happen with Phoenix Guard and, and the, uh, yeah. the Phoenixes, you know, or maybe they have no connection to it at all. Yeah, you know, because at the moment we, they're not Teclis's elves, those ones, mm. they're just normal elves that just happen to look like <laughs> the elves yeah. in the old world. Yeah. It's not that. Yeah. It'd be interesting <laughs> what they do. And also the one thing I'm, I'm actually quite intrigued about is what, what they're actually going to call them. Because obviously mm. I, I, I'm one, my sort of thoughts on that is that it's potentially going to be similar to like Daughters of Cain and such. You'll, you'll see like children mm. of Teclis or something. That's sort of what I yeah. feel it's going to be. Yeah. You know, they could, it's, it's, it's which way, way round they get the naming. Are they going to be like the Ossiart Bone Reapers, the something, somebody's, or are they going to be the somebody's yeah. of something, you know, or, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> if that makes sense, I think it'd be more like, that's why I, I feel it'd be sort of like a Daughters of Cain or children or, mm. you know, yeah something like that of techless but we'll see again i, I was, yeah we'll it'll see. be something crazy because obviously it's got to be trademarked and yeah that sort or of it stuff. could be just something like a narai or askarai or something oh please no something difficult don't make it to too pronounce. complicated to say <laughs> <laughs> that's all i hope is not oh oh there you go you can call them the, the askarai lightborn or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah see that yeah that sounds about right that would be nice actually <laughs> yes that's see, i'd be on board with that so <laughs> yeah, again, I'm sure we'll start seeing more news. Because, yeah. again, we've got quite a few big events, I think, happening, like big tournaments happening over the next mm. couple of months. So they'll obviously have some reveals at some point through these. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see indeed. Uh, right, uh, continuing on AOS, we at the open day, we saw the announcement of Wrath of the Ever Chosen, which mm. uh, looks like, the well, from what we understand, uh, like a Vigilist-type book but for AOS, yeah, a campaign it's a, book. It's a- yeah, it's a campaign book. It's something that we haven't had in a while because mm. we did have them in first edition of Age of Sigma. We had all the Realmgate War mm, books. We did, um, and by all accounts, those weren't bad because this is primarily going to be more army options and more ways to play the game, and then like lore of stuff going on. Because if I don't, if I sorry, if I remember correctly. This is the big story event moving on from Soul Wars and yep. moving on from um, from Forbidden Power. That is, Nagash marches the Ossiarch Bone Reapers into the Varen Spire. <laughs> That's such a Nagash <laughs> thing to do, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> <laughs> of all the people to pick on, you pick on Archaeon. <laughs> and well, actually you go, you to, it, go to his home as well. <laughs> yeah, he's the only guy who could actually possibly kill you, so of course mm, you got to take true. him out. <laughs> oh, I love it. But yeah. I'm quite interested to see if, well, I'm presuming it'll move the story forward at least a little bit, but how it will do so, what the story might be with all of this, because it could just be as easy as, you know, they, they push in and then they get pushed back and then this happens, yada, yada, yada. Or it could be really cool and interesting and mm. really change things up a lot. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, but then the in-game stuff is going to be equally as exciting, I think. Yeah. You, you got some pretty good stuff in the Vigilist campaigns uh, with, like, formations and just some scenarios were really nice in those. And I think 
we might get a few uh, in this one as well. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, yeah. I'm hoping there's a good bit of lore in it because I'd like, again, if it's good, it'd be worth us doing an episode oh, yeah. on it like we did with Vigilus. It'd be interesting to see it progressing. I, I think so. I think it'll be quite meaty. It'll be, it'll have some hopeful, you know, significance to the, uh, the mortal realms. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, as a, I don't think they gave a date with this one. This is sort of as no. and when we'll see this at it's some coming. point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the one thing I wanted to say actually that I was slightly going back to the pointy elves is that obviously, you know, I was hoping that Seraphon were going to be <laughs> the reveal yeah. uh, for the elves uh, instead of the elves. But uh, I, one thing that seems to be going around at the moment, and again, this is coming from people that spoke to Peter, the, you know, the, the GW reps at uh, at, uh, at Warhammer World at the open date that uh, that Seraphon look like they're coming in the summer potentially. There's sort of references mm. to that, which sort of makes sense. Really, I can sort yeah. of see where obviously you know we've got obviously Caradron and Zinch out now. Then we'll see the probably the pointy elves over you know sort of again obviously springtime, which is what they said, and I think maybe then mm. shortly after that Seraphon will probably come out. Which yeah. probably is a good thing because it suggests they may be getting a bit more than oh, yeah. the minimum potentially. God, I really hope so because yeah. they they they've been waiting a long time. Those poor <laughs> bastards. They really they are. deserve they deserve it. Exactly, and and again, I and it's not just the models. I just want to see what what prominence they have in in the law because oh, yeah. again, they're always mentioned but never seem to be doing anything particularly. Mm. Like so, mm. yeah. We'll see. I'm hoping. I'm dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, the last thing for AOS is uh, as of now here in, well, in certain countries like the UK and Ireland and I think like Spain, uh, the Mortal yeah. Realms magazine is now out. That is basically the AOS mm-hmm. version of 40K Conquest magazine that came out a while yep. ago. Um, it is one of those subscription based magazines that come out mm. like, every week. And obviously you have different you know, every week has a different model or part of a model and some paints and such like. Um, so they're now out. I mean, the first <laughs> the first uh, uh, issue is going to be flying off the shelves because uh, oh, funda- yeah. <laughs> fun- fundamentally it's two ninety nine, so three pounds over here, and I think mm. it's two euros in like Spain. It's ridiculously cheap, yeah. and for that you're getting yeah. the easy to build three sec you know stormcast sectors and you're getting the 10 easy to build chain rasps which obviously which is for not- the only chain rasp kit exactly I feel I should point out yes yeah even though it's easy to build so- it's actually the only one and <laughs> i mean that i mean I, I worked it out they currently retail at 35 pounds for those two 10 pounds for the stormcast and 25 yeah, pounds for the yeah. night that's 35 pounds worth of models and also you get then some mm. dice you get a ruler you get a poster you get a magazine and that's all for 2.99 you know and it, I, it's not so much the sectors it's going to be for the chain rasp because obviously they're used in Nighthorn, and obviously you can use them in legions and the gash as battle line as well so i can just yeah. imagine just people are just going to buy literally a load of them and just oh yeah just bulk out there <laughs> Yeah. Battle oh, hey. Did, did you need uh? Did you need eighty chain rasps? Well, how about spending less than twenty pounds? Exactly. That's the <laughs> scary thing. You could literally, yeah. Or well, it'd be yeah. It'd be so if it, it'd be yeah. Uh, so it'd be, it'd be eight. So you'd buy it'd be twenty four pounds. Twenty four pounds. I mean twenty four. So for pounds. the cost of for the cost of ten, you get eighty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plus plus you get or you'd get uh twenty. 
I mean, 24 yeah, Sequitors. Sequitors as well. <laughs> All in the same pose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and, and a lot of dice and a lot of posters. Mm. But yeah, I mean, they'll yeah, be flying onto shelves. I know, and I think they, they have said that they will branch out to other parts of the world eventually, which is what they've started mm. doing with Conquest. So, you know, I'm sure it won't, it won't be for a while. But um, but yeah, if you're in one of these countries like, like my own, uh, yeah, get them. Because <laughs> you can mm-hmm. properly bulk out your armies with it. So, right, okay. Let's go to the realm of other other stuff. Ooh. Other woman is it's a very weird world. It's 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 got a combination of you know of uh, blood bowl balls and and horse heresy mm. stuff and oh, all these other things. Oh, so man. right, okay, some good stuff. So Cameron, <laughs> let's go to the underworlds. We saw the yeah. next warband, and I'm very excited about this one. This is oh yeah, Horgons, Horthgons, or Gorns, man trappers. Um, it's Logos. Like yeah, um, it's uh, it's an official hunter and frost saber and three noblas, mm. which is it's not the it's not the composition I was expecting. No, I, I was expecting a hunter and two frost sabers. I think mm-hmm. would be a decent team, but the noblas are very cute. I kind of yes. like how they are the meaner looking goblins, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but still got that little bit of classic silliness because um. In the in the old old school Noblas kit, there was my favorite one was the two with one riding piggyback on the other and holding like a broken glass ball in one hand, and this has two with one riding piggyback holding a stone axe. So I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty enamored with the little little lads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's what's great about the uh, going back to the ogre kits in general. Is like you know going back to my hobby section where I said all the things I built. I've probably got like a whole unit of Noblas. That between all oh, the yeah. kits because all like oh, your yeah. standard glutton kit comes with like I think six of them and you mm. know I think a unit's twenty so between all the all the units I've got <laughs> I can probably put together a random unit of uh, oh yeah. it's, it's great yeah absolutely it, it's a, I, but going back to the warband I think it's really good mm. actually that they oh, they've yeah. made it that diverse um, like you I'm a bit gutted well on a personal level I'm quite gutted it's not two frost sabers because I wanted that for aos because obviously frost sabers mm. come in units of two and they're currently fine cast and obviously this one's a bit better yeah. but yeah so be it but again you know even if you don't play underworlds this is a lovely mm. way to get a plastic uh ice oh, bro yeah. hunter <laughs> for your own, oh yeah your mortar he looks army. great that crossbow is the size of a stormcast paladin and he's <laughs> yeah. going to use it. <laughs> yeah. I love the fact it's actually got, a, actually got a bear. Well, this will be a man trap in, yeah. in, at the end uh, that comes well, off the end. You know, of it. it's, it's a, it's a bayonet, you know, yeah. you've got to run for it. <laughs> instead of stabbing, you just bludgeon them with the crossbow and then it eats them with, <laughs> yeah, a, exactly. with a man trap on the end. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's really good. So mm. I imagine we'll probably see that maybe towards the end of the month, maybe next month, yeah. I'd say. Um, probably um, yeah. it's been a little while since the uh, ripper's snarl fangs but not super long so yeah no. i would say end of this month to early february would yeah. be about right well they're pretty consistent with it because obviously we know we've still got probably the what's it a nurgle one and a daughter's of cane one and a, cane or, one. another orc one i think yeah yeah I there should be the... three more and so... i've got to spread those out until like Octoberish, yeah. So I imagine every few, I think it's every couple of months we'll see one. So mm. yeah, so I imagine next month we'll probably get those, which should be very cool. I'll be getting it, so yeah, so I can have a hunter in my army. Uh, obviously, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so right, okay. What's next? So Warcry. So obviously the mm. the monsters 
I know we've seen these before, but they, mm. uh, I presume, and now I think they come, I'm guessing they're coming out this month, I think. Oh, I yeah, swear. I think so. So, seems like. So, yeah, so, which again is quite good because obviously now Slaves to Darkness is out, but um, mm. obviously these have got their own War Scrolls in the, in obviously yeah. that uh, Battle Tome as well, but obviously for Warcry itself as well. So, people will be able to start using these monsters in, in play, and they're awesome yeah. models. And don't oh, tell, don't tell so me cool. that one that one at the bottom is not going to be used as a demon prince. <laughs> oh <laughs> shield. come on, it's got to be that. That was the og the ogroid myrmidon or whatever. Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see more. I, I I feel I've said it before on the show. I want to see more ogroids because I like this weird half chaos ogre race. They're mm. really cool. They're awesome, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's very exciting indeed. Right, um, let's take to the football pitch and let's talk about Blood Bowl. So here we mm-hmm. saw out of the blue, we saw was it Gloriel Summerbloom. So this is the mm. new star player for the Wood Elf teams. And yep. again, again I suppose obviously it depends if you're into Blood Bowl or not, but she looks cool. I mean I think yeah, even if you're not into it, model. you can appreciate it is a very <laughs> awesome looking model. And, mm. and and again it shows that they're still get you know still knocking these out for Blood Bowl. It's great. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I I listen to a podcast that talks about Blood Bowl. Apparently, she's actually really, really good, which okay. is apparently not the case for a lot of the star players. A lot of I the star players that. are decidedly average, hmm. but she seems she seems to be really good in the game. So, more power to the Wood Elf players who apparently have very expensive throwers to deal with already. <laughs> um, but their, their stats are good, but they're not very survivable. But yeah. they cost three times as much as a regular player. So yes. apparently Wood Elf, Wood Elf is sort of an elite Blood Bowl team to run. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing. Yeah, because it's skill over over brawn, basically. You know, they mm. they they're good at passing and catching and throwing, but they're not obviously good at taking a hit. A hit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as expected. So no, cool. Mm. I think I think it's great. Lovely model. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. Let's move on to the Horus Heresy because we've seen With a couple of. Slabs. Oh right now. Oh, I tell you what, if you're a Horus Heresy Dark Angels player, you're like a pig. Oh, in you, are you, you are spoiled. You really spoiled are. for choice. Yeah, they're so gorgeous. <laughs> we saw the oh. Inner Circle Knights Cenobium. Yeah. Uh, and, oh man, these are sort of, mm. you know, elite Terminator guys, and they just look amazing. Admittedly, cool. they're very busy. I think, like, I wouldn't. Yes. I'd be very intimidated by these to paint them because they have got oh, a yes. lot going on. But oh man, <laughs> if you've got the skill, these are gorgeous. Mm. Yeah, they really they are. are. Just, I can I can see some people taking these for like Deathwing Command squads in mm-hmm. 4K because they blow any form of regular Terminator so far out of the water <laughs> in terms like. It's weird because it took 10,000 years for Terminator suits to become really super rare, important relics. Like, during the Heresy, they were important and cool, but they were around. But in 40k, they're these super old relics, but these these are the first some of the first Terminator suits, I should say, that make them look like these ancient suits of knightly armor mm. that are important and unique and incomprehensibly valuable to have in a fight. And they they ooze flavor. There's oh, going to be some really fantastic do. looking Dark Angels armies coming up. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> or people that, that that want to use them in 40k as a oh I mm. really want to start that knight looking 
yeah. chapter. Successive chapter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah. so good. Um, but we're, we're not just limited to, uh, limited to cool Terminators mm. in uh, 30K. We're, we're getting cool tanks, which a lot of a lot of cool vehicles actually coming out of Forge World recently as well. We've got mm. the Aquita Bombard. Um, I really, really like this vehicle. However, its existence slightly annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's why. a line in the death yeah there's a line in the death guard codex that says mortarium is this genius of like machinery and thinking with his hands and everything like he does his best work when he's building something like a lot of the primarchs apparently do and so he created the plague burst crawler which was a never before seen totally unique siege engine and then a couple of years later forge was like oh no actually he just based it on this chassis that we just put out <laughs> Because it, it's just a Plague Burst crawler without the dozer blade on front and with a rocket battery instead of a mortar cannon mm-hmm. on the back. It's Otherwise, it is literally the pre-corrupted Plague Burst crawler, which is why it looks so good. I feel I should point out it yeah, looks incredible. Pre- <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. However, actually, to be fair, fair point. Get yourself one of these to make sure all your Plague Burst crawlers don't look the same, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, because... It's an expensive way of doing it, but yeah, you could. <laughs> I mean, it is an expensive way to do it, but that kit literally has zero options aside mm. from weapon options. Mm. So they do look uh, they do look very samey if you yeah. get a bunch of them. So uh, look, if I, if I had two Plague Burst crawlers, which I don't, I would be tempted to get one of these. For like yeah. the important one. Yeah, yeah, yes, it would be the special <laughs> one of the two, I think. Yeah. I like the fact it's using like a reverse Sakaran chassis mm. as well. Because yeah. you look at it, because that's what I think when we, because it, it was only revealed yesterday, and it's like, I think we mm. were like, hang on, isn't that a Sakaran back, tank backwards? <laughs> and it yeah. actually is. Turns out, uh, turns out a lot of 40k vehicle tech is that the Lehman Russ is just a tractor turned backwards yeah. with a turret on top. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> True. True, but uh, but no, mm. as we know, Forge World they love a good tank. They love oh, they do. <laughs> they really love do. them. The, right. le- the least efficient thing to cast in resin, but they yes. love them. Yeah, that's true. Got to get true. those straight lines. You want plastic for straight lines? Come on. But they they excel <laughs> in their design, though. We've seen some awesome oh, looking yeah. vehicles. It is oh you know, yeah, it is brilliant. So next, okay, so a couple of last little bits. So we saw also the reveal of model of the year as as per mm. the year before and year before that and actually probably the year before that as yeah. well. Um, yeah. Last sort of three or four years, obviously, <laughs> you know, there's a voting uh, system so you can uh, obviously vote for whatever your model of the year was. Um, I think last year was, was it the Noise Marine last year? The, like, sorry, the I year before. Sorry. Yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure it snuck right in at the end of the year mm. to win favorite yeah. model of the year. Which, fair <laughs> enough. So, um, <laughs> so obviously, the you know the 2019 results were announced. Um, who did you vote for? In the uh, I voted for Catacross, which okay. means I'm almost a winner. Yeah, uh, runner-up position. Yeah, um, there was there were so many good models last mm. year. Like it it took me a good thirty minutes of just deliberating it. Like I made a checklist <laughs> and started checking what each model should have to be my model of the year, <laughs> and like filled that out. And at the end of it, it was like, yeah, yeah, Catacross is objectively, from my point of view at least, so subjectively, the best model of the year. Vote yeah. for him. Of course, he didn't win it. No, nope. uh, but <laughs> he, he had stiff competition. He re- yeah, he really, he really did. I mean, to be fair, I voted... For, well, I, I almost changed my mind, but I voted for what I said on the, the last main episode where I, I think I said my model of the year was the Lord Discordant. And I thought, 
I mm. can't, I'll be hypocritical if I don't <laughs> vote for Lord Orders Gordon because I almost did the Keepers a Secret. But uh, no, I mean, it ended up going to Abaddon, uh, which is fair enough. It's a fantastic model. Um, yeah, you know, mm. I think, like I said, yeah, there's so much competition last year. So no, yeah. I'm, re- I'm really, really, you know, really pleased that it went so- to a model. And it, it seems to be a lot of chaos models, actually, because I think, cause it was, cause I think before mm. that it's been... Has it been like Mag- Magnus? I think has won it before as well. Yeah, Matarian, yeah. I think maybe. Well, uh, they're the, remember, they tend to be the the more impressive ones. Like you get some really nice uh, non chaos models. They're mm-hmm. nice, but they're not as showy, which is what grabs people's attention. Like chaos is all about extravagance and excess in all things. Really, it's all Slanesh, totally. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> they're always the really big showy releases. Like. You can't make a Space Marine model that stands to the same scale as one of the Demon Primarchs. No, that's like, true. Like, Gilliman gets close, but he's still nowhere near. So, like, just just the fact that they get to ignore the um, the relative, uh, relatively realistic physics of design that a lot of other factions have to follow means they get the really good designs yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. Although, um... Apparently, the Mutatorum armored containers made a run for it a couple of years back. Yeah, it got, didn't it get to like seventh or something? It yeah, it got, got seventh yeah. place a couple of years ago, yeah. which is still the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I love it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'll just find the results. Yeah, 2016 was Magnus, 2017 was Mortarian, and 2018 was mm. the Noise Marine, and obviously 19 is Abaddon. So it's been purely chaos that's <laughs> dominated it, which is funny. Yeah, well, they've been getting great models the last few years. What can I say? Well, exactly. You can't argue with that. Um, right, so the last bit of news, which is a bit of unfortunate news, really, which is the the mm. uh, the uh, leaving of Duncan Rhodes from GW and obviously the community team. Um, mm. Part of me is not surprised, really. I mean, I've I've listened to some of his interviews, like where he's been on sort of Stormcast and and Voxcast, the, you know, the official GW shows, and yeah, you can mm. he's, you can tell like there's a lot of ambition in him and wants to do more. Um, I think as of yet, he's not revealed what he's going to go off and do and like who he's going to go work for or whether he's going to do something you know, by mm. himself. Uh, I mean, the good thing is he's a very likable person. He's got a good following oh, yeah. from obviously all the work he's done from, you know, the two thin coats and, <laughs> and all the, yeah. <laughs> the progress he's, you know, and the people he's helped, you know, from a painting's point, point of view. So, um, yeah, I mm. mean, it's a shame, you know, a shame for us as, you know, for the community, but I mean, I suppose the good the good thing I see is that whatever he's going to do, he's going to keep painting models, whether it's GW or non GW oh, yeah. stuff. And ultimately, yeah. I'm sure he'll be you know he'll be spreading his advice in some sort of capacity. And yeah, you yeah. know, he's so. never truly gone as long as you hold him within your heart. As um, <laughs> like, exactly, he's gonna he's he he's gonna be just fine. He could start a Patreon or a YouTube channel and honestly live off that for like five years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's what I mean. I. I, mm. I mean, he may do a bit of both potentially. You know, he may end yeah. up because I think he's it's rumored he may end up working for Warlord Games. That's a sort of a, mm. one that's going around. But like I said, he could he could do any. You know, he's he's lucky oh, yeah. he's in that position. He could pretty much do what he wants, and I'm sure it'd be successful. And mm. and good luck to him. Yeah, as well. Oh, so. I'm I'm just enjoying watching his Twitter feed and him do things other than Games Workshop stuff because presumably he wasn't allowed to post such. <laughs> before when he was the official face of the company but course, now he's yeah. doing all this bolt action stuff and he seems to be really enjoying himself yeah, so no, that's no. nice for him exactly i'm pleased for him so mm. no no good on him um and talking of well but let's you know we've had that's a bit of bad mm. news but let's bring in some good news cameron because yeah 
Yeah. Cam- like, as we said right at the start of the show, Cameron's generosity knows no bounds. <laughs> it can't be contained, not even within the warp. So, Cameron, oh. I believe you you finally got that code to give away to some one lucky person. Yes. So, you need to, lucky person, you're listening right now. Listen to me very carefully. Open your internet browser and go to www.totalwar.com. That's with capital letters on total and war. Uh, forward slash seasons greetings with a capital S and a capital G at the start of both seasons and greetings. Uh, and follow the instructions to regime this code. The code is GW19107475. FGM three. There's your code. Nice. I hope you enjoy your copy copy of Total War Warhammer. Not Total War Warhammer two, I should point out, but it's still a very good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. Happy New Year, whoever you are. I hope you really enjoy the code. Um. And if you ever actually beat the game, send me a picture of the end screen, and I'll celebrate for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can beat Total War. You might be able to finish a campaign, I guess. Yeah, I think it's got, yeah, it it's got a campaign. You can, you can, <laughs> yeah, you, can you, you can win, you know, and uh, be the envy of all your peers. So, no, well done, mm. Randy. Rand- I was going to say Randy listener. Randy. Then. Random. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. I don't think. That's, maybe, a, that's a very different type of Warhammer fan. Yeah, they're, they're the lucky and they're Randy. statue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Well, oh dear God! Well, let, let, let's um, let's take a break and cool down as we get as, before we get under the <laughs> hot under the collar. Because mm. um, mm. uh, when we return, we're gonna go we're gonna go deep. We're gonna go deep underwater. Mm. Back soon. Right, welcome back. Mm. We've had our nice little cheeky break. Had a drink, get ourselves wet with with our with our drink, obviously. And yes, with water. <laughs> with with water, very appropriate for this main topic because we are going to talk about the Ideneth Deepkin novel, The Court of the mm. Blind King. Um, yes, this is quite a monumental moment because this is the first proper Deepkin novel. Mm. Uh, we've had a couple of little, you know, twenty-page short stories uh, but this is the first main one and it, it's quite nice actually because it feels yeah. like ages since we spoke about the deepkin well we mm. uh, i think the only time we really ever spoke about them is when <laughs> when their battle they came, tone out. came out yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know that's just they obscured our minds with their magics also they didn't really have anything else that came out since <laughs> no and I which I, which I suppose is understandable because i suppose that they got their army dropped in one go you cover all the law of their battle tome, and I suppose, in theory, they're not they they haven't had that much impact on the main story of no. AOS at the moment. Obviously, that may no. change in the future. Yeah, but it sort of makes sense that you know that they would sort of go quiet, so to speak, for a while, uh, which is quite mm. appropriate for them. Mm. And and then obviously <laughs> at last we finally got a novel, and so I think yeah. we were both really looking forward to covering this one. Um, this was done, this is written by Mr. David Geimer. Um, and a quick shout out to, to, to David as well, because he was kind enough mm. to give me the names of all the characters. Yes. Cause I, cause he's very cause patient. He, yeah, he was because, cause the, cause just as a sort of heads up, Cameron, you read the 
ebook, didn't you? Of yes, the novel. I couldn't. I couldn't get a physical copy in time, unfortunately. Okay, <laughs> that's fair enough. And I mm. chose to get the Audible version because I had credits the same day it came out, so it seemed like mm. it was meant to be. the The slight snag with the Audible book, um, even though it's it's well, it's 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 good. In I mean, the, the novel is I find is great, but the slight mm. snag with the Audible version is sort of two things really. One, the main thing is. Um, and this is probably something more about me is I struggle with elven names in general. I think they, they mm. literally don't seem to, I, my brain doesn't seem to absorb them as much. And they sort of almost all sound the same after a while. Mm. And I sort of try to, yes. str- you know, whereas obviously if you're physically reading it on a page, it's probably a little bit easier to actually know which character, you know, the, uh, obviously is being spoken about at that time. Um, and secondly, I was, I was saying to Cameron in the break is that the, the choice of voice actor and obviously the voices that they used, uh, for some of the characters was a bit annoying at times. Yeah, <laughs> um, a bit off-putting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's appropriate to the character because a lot of the characters in this are, are often royalty and they're, and comes with a lot of, see, a, a big dose of arrogance. So it, mm. I get where, where they were going with it, but sometimes it was quite off-putting. Um, yeah. But that's not that's no reflection of the novel. That's just the, the choice of voice actor or, you know, the way, way it was delivered, you know, so... Uh, yeah, so I may potentially recommend you main, you know, stay away from the audible version. I don't know. I mean, again, it's personal taste really, but yeah, just, yeah. but yeah, but yes, thank you for David on Twitter. Um, sort of saying, mm. giving me a list of all the names of the characters. Cause obviously again, you don't get obviously the list obviously in the audible and you don't get it in the, the ebook either. Do you? No, do you? I you think you're saying no, which is a shame, but yeah, hey, you know, so yeah, so just is it exactly, and it, just like I said, you may struggle with the names in some of these, but it doesn't. It, mm. That doesn't matter too much, really, because we'll be talking about the you know the the overall yeah. sort of gist of I suppose of uh, deep in politics, probably. More than, yeah, more than let anything. me just let me just pull up that thread to make sure I'm not saying any names wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, that's a yeah. So so we'll obviously give you a, a big spoiler warning right mm. now. Obviously, yes. we're going to go into spoilers for the book so if you've not read it yet go and read it and come back or Mm. if you don't feel you want to then just you know carry on listening as always um so um before i ask you cameron before you know what you thought of it Mm. i'll just give i'll just give a quick you know few sentence breakdown of what it is because i think that's actually quite important when we cover these novels so basically the overview is deepkin queen dies her Mm -hmm. son lurian uh, the prince, obviously, you know, in theory, should be now taking over the throne. Uh, he gets challenged by, uh, well, one of the, I suppose, uh, he's, he's called the tyrant. He's, what's his name? Vanglia. Mm. Yeah, Vanglia Felglaive. That's it. Great name. He mm. he basically goes, no, nope, I'm taking over instead. Lurian gets imprisoned. Uh, he then teams up with an Amati, and mm. they basically go on, a quest with an ever-growing entourage, um, mm. basically going to all the different enclaves, all the little, you know, yeah. little, you know, factions of the of the Deepkin to basically to to join his cause, so so basically to get thrown back, basically, mm. yeah. that is in yeah. essence what the novel is based around. And obviously, therefore, mm. in theory, even though obviously there is obviously action scenes and some really cool scenes, a lot of it is about the it's to do with like a lot of it's to do with class and. And hierarchy mm. and politics and how they're you know as a faction they work or or how dysfunctional they can be at times as well. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, so that's so that is basically the like, the couple of sentence sort of gist of what the novel's about. Uh, so now I will ask you, Cameron, what did you mm. think of it overall? Uh, I quite enjoyed it overall. Um, I think, I think because I really, really enjoyed the book. I want to make that clear. <laughs> Something about the writing style of it sometimes felt a tiny bit off to me, and I think it's because primarily. Uh, we're dealing with a lot of uncharted territory here, and David mm. Geimer has had to make up a lot of terms and names. Yes. So yep. I'm just unfamiliar with a lot of it. It's like, I don't know what exactly the Azidrazor is. I have a rough idea. Uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly what all this is. Um, I did learn a new real-life English word, uh, which is aquabatics, which is not <laughs> a word here in Australia, but I looked it up, and apparently that's what you call aquarobics in the UK. Ah, right, uh, yes. Yeah, that's what we yeah. call it, aquarobics, yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a totally new word, aquabatics, and I looked up, I was like, no, you can take an aquabatics course. This is a thing. <laughs> but I've learned something. Thank you, David Geimer. Um, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, um, I really, really enjoyed it because I feel this hits a note that Age of Sigmar fiction has been kind of missing so far, and that is... This is simply, and no, no insult to David Geimer here, but this is literally a, a simple reinterpretation and Age of Sigmarifying of the Malice Darkblade books, and mm. I love it. Yeah, yes. It's, it's, lit- she, it's yeah. literally Malice Darkblade. You've got your mm. main main character who's definitively an anti-hero, not a hero. Yep. Yep. You have the thing or person that is bound him in Malice Darkblade, it's a demon. In this case, it's the Namati, Namariel, who has magically bound herself to him by, like, mm-hmm. literally getting the gods to invoke a promise of marriage out of him. Yep. And then you've got a faithful steed, which is Spite, the uh, the raptor the spot- thingamajig. Yeah, I mean, the, Venom. Uh, Venom, isn't it? And then it's Venom, the Fangmora eel in this. Yep. You have the magical weapon, which is the Sword of Cain in Mal- Malice Darkblade, and is... Um, Ace Lakai, which is the Gil spear in this. And then you have, you know, the the second in command, the the hanger on of nobility, who is a few different people in the Malice Darkway books, but in this one it's mostly Aodrine. Yep. one of the other Achilleans, and then all these various hangers on. And it literally is that cast and crew assemblage. It's just they've taken this story put it underwater and made the society 15% less grimdark <laughs> and then change it and made it way darker in other ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hadn't actually thought of that because I haven't read Malice Darkblade for a long time now, but yeah, you actually, when you put it mm. like that, it is so yeah. exactly that. Um, and like e- even the main character, like Lurian is very much like Malice Darkblade is mm. he's not unambitious, but he, he was happy to live his normal spoiled life until everything got turned around upside down. And then he became yep. this avaricious, ambitious, spiteful being that does mm. anything to progress his own goals. Yeah. The, the same character. And I really like reading about that character. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It's a great book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Actually, what you're saying about, about the fact that it's the way it's written is quite difficult at times because it's difficult to imagine because you you don't have anything to judge it by. I mean, you can pick out oh, yeah. certain things, like you know, when they're describing <laughs> like the Dewey Whore, which is one of the one of the en- mm. um, enclaves where they're they're basically quite grim. They they they're more red 
they have literally a red, <laughs> you know, compared yeah, to red tone other, skin, skin yeah. and they're, and they're older <laughs> because of, for reasons, um, mm. they, because they, because basically they're, they don't go raiding anymore. So therefore their Namati just grow old <laughs> basically mm. and die off. Um, it, you know, you can visualize that, but like you said, there's some terms in this, which like I said, you know, and, and unfair play to David, he's probably, it's probably difficult when you, you're having to do this from scratch, <laughs> at least with mm. most of the other novels, you're like, oh, you got to talk about Stormcast. Oh, fine. Okay. I've got all this to, you know, to, to reel off from, whereas this is quite different. Mm. And, um, I think as well is what I, what I quite applaud him for is the fact that he's not done it as an action thing that obviously there is action scenes mm. in it like there will be all these novels but i must admit i'm a massive fan of these novels where they focus on the interactions between the characters society the greater world um not mm. as a direct comparison but for example if you uh, read or listen to rites of passage which is a it's a 40k yeah. novel that mike brooks did in recent times which is focusing on the the navigator houses and all the politics and all the mm. you know mm. uh, backstabbing and all the you know all the crap that comes with it it's sort of like that it's like i love but i like that even though i'm not i'm not interested in politics in general but i like the mm. how the society works or or again in lots of cases especially in this case where it doesn't work um because yes. <laughs> because you know because let's be honest action scenes are action scenes at the end of the day you know mm. you, you get mm. cool ones but they they can be quite dime a dozen so it's quite nice when yeah. there's a, a bigger focus on something else apart from that mm. and oh, yeah. um, and this you know the, all really the characters mm. exactly the, all the characters are, are well written um like you said lurian you know starts off as let's be honest he's a bit of a prick at the start and and <laughs> you know still a he, bit of a prick at the end at the end but fair. you know there's at, but there's a <laughs> but at times it you know you see his evolution at time you know you sort of he, okay he goes from being a you know a bit of a sport prick to to being a you know, a, and actually quite a devious one, you know, and actually, mm. you know, he sort of, he understand, he sort of like he, it sort of clicked for him. Um, but actually shows how the class system sort of works, you know, in this mm. basically. Yeah. And I, I think that's actually very crucial because, you know, if you, you know, for anyone that, you know, has obviously delved into the Deepkin stuff before, obviously, or, or collects the army, for example, obviously there is this massive focus on the three, classes of deepkin so you've got the namati mm. which obviously the and it's all based around their you know their soul or lack of one and obviously you know namati are sort of you know the bottom bottom end of society they're the the workers they're the ones that are literally don't last i think it's like 40 years i think that's yeah. their sort of average lifespan and then obviously you've got the archelian which are the ones with full souls who you know are, are the higher class ones the ones that mm. uh uh, you know, they're the ones that become the, the lords, the, you know, the kings, the queens, the, the knights and, you know, all the, mm. you know, the guard. And then obviously you've got the Isharan who are the, you know, the, the cast, you know, the casters, the, the, uh, the soul renders and soul scries and such like. So they, again, they have a massive mm. importance. And, and I find it interesting actually in this novel how to actually see, you know, how they interact with each other. Cause obviously you see mm. it, you read it in the battle tome. You're like, right. Okay. These, you know, these are the magic users. These are the dregs. <laughs> these are the, you know, these are the higher <laughs> class ones. But mm. did you, did you find it the way it was portrayed in this novel that, that it's actually even more extreme than it appears? Like it's actually, you know, you read it and think, yeah, it's just a class system. Yeah. But, and you actually see it day to day thinking, wow, this is actually really harsh. <laughs> in some oh cases. yeah. Yeah. 
I know I, I really, really like I feel I bang on about this with every book we read, but what I want to know from Age of Sigmar is I want to know the day-to-day life. I want to know the culture. I want to know mm. all the cool, mm. boring stuff. I want to know mm. the boring stuff of how mm. these societies work. And this book massively fleshes this out, incidentally, for the Deepkin, who previously, because the battle tome is a battle tome, it focuses on, like, units that fight primarily. We don't hear about the Namati butchers or yeah. the Namati <laughs> weapon sellers and things like that, or why yeah. they have to be Namati who sell weapons to other Namati and things like that. And we learn all this in this book. It's great. Mm. Mm. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think a big problem with envisioning how Deepkin society actually works is on the tabletop in the game, Half the army is literally a faceless mass with the Namadi. Like, they don't have eyes. There's not much to connect to. They don't seem any different to any of the other models. They seem quite unified. Whereas this is spread out. We see different cultures from different enclaves because they all live quite far apart. And, like, it's not this monolithic entity. There are all these different little colonies of Deepkin all over the place with their own ways and traditions. But then the basic caste system carries over, but it's also messed with by the different enclaves as well. Mm, yeah. Um, and you really suddenly get a sense for... Because in a Deepkin army on the tabletop, odds are if you're at a tournament, it will be a bunch of knights riding eels and a few <laughs> characters, and that's it. The book makes it very clear that committing that kind of force to a battle is something that could end the life of an entire colony. Yeah. Because... You, that that would literally be every able-bodied, full-souled Eidneth Deacon in the entire city to form, like, a 2,000-point force in a lot yeah. of cases. <laughs> yeah. Like, because like, there's this big battle scene near the end, and they're like, yeah, and we have 2,000 Namadi on this side, 10,000 Namadi on the other side. They have, a, they have a, a cavalry wedge of 20 knights, and we have a cavalry wedge of, wedge of 50 knights. So we hold the superior, like, wait, what? All right, there's like none of the actual full sold people around because literally they are one out of a hundred chance mm. of being born with a full soul. And because of that, the cities with these massive populations, the entire population basically is Namati because, and like there is that really harsh class divide, you're right, between the Ishran and Achillean who are basically on the same level and between those lot and the Namati. It's a very mm. harsh divide. They literally think of the Namadi as subhuman or sub-elf. Yeah. Effectively, like they they don't understand that the Namadi are still like full sentient sapient people with their own thoughts, emotions, and desires. They never think about that. They know mm. they can talk. They know they can do basic tasks. That's all they need to do. They they yeah. never think of them having families or lives when they have lovely families and lovely lives in some mm. cases, like. I think what really got me was they were pretending that um, Lurin was had just escaped from prison, so he was disguised as a Namati. He had his eyes covered. The Namati themselves are blind, so they can't even get a good look at him. Uh, and they had to go buy a sword. So they went to a Namati weapon seller, and Namariel says, because she's literally betrothed herself to Lurin, goes, you know, oh, my husband needs a sword to help defend our future family. And he goes, ah, yes. You know, my wife and I keep trying. We've had 14 kids so far and not mm. a true sold one among them, but we love each other, so we're going to keep going for this. I was like, oh, right, yeah. This is a society of normal-ass people yeah. <laughs> who go about their day-to-day -day life just, you know, thousands of meters underwater. Uh, but they're also part of this brutal, oppressive class system. Uh, looking at you, the 1%. They're literally the 1%. They're yeah. literally... Yeah, oh, God. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they, they have all the power. They have all the means. Um, they're... Hey, uh, 
I'm that deacon when read properly are, are a capitalist criticism. I'm kind of into it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like getting that day-to-day life of the Namadi, I think is really cool, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason a Namadi has to own a weapon, even if they're not a fighter, is because uh, the, the Achaeans can't guard the entirety of the Enclave as this massive underwater city, and predatorial fish and stuff do just swim about. Yeah. And Achaeans will also just come down here and mess with Namadi if they think they can, because why wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's really weird, because the divide is the Isharan are like old high elves. They're all about status and order of things and magic. And then the Achaeans are all Druchi. They're all the old yeah, dark, dark elves. elves yeah. And then the Namadi are kind of just the current day Age of Sigma regular elves who are regular mm. people leading regular lives, except they have to eat souls to live. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we, yeah. we actually get some interesting stuff with that as well, because um, moving on to just expanding more stuff in general, we know that Namadi take souls from a lot of different sources. We didn't know before that the soul they take because they have to take one every few years, depending mm. on the quality, to keep living, it actually affects them in general. Yeah. Like um, yeah. Uriel, I believe his name, the big buff Namadi, talks yeah. about the fact that he has a hankering for a food he's never even seen or smelled or heard described before. He doesn't know exactly what it is, but he really wants it, presumably because the soul that's currently being used up to feed his own soul had loved cupcakes or whatever particular food it is he doesn't say which food it is <laughs> yeah but like you get you get these cravings you get mood swings you your entire personality can change you learn new skills at random mm. um one of the namadi moragai is this ruthless like cut and brawl <laughs> killer in like this little girl's body and everyone's everyone thinks she probably has some like mortal human hero's soul like slowly mm. festering away in there because there's no other explanation for why this tiny child, Namadi, knows how to kill an Achillean knight in full armor with a pair of scissors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is it's, terrifying. It, it's it's amazing. I, I, lo- I love Moragai. She's such a cool character. She's, mm. like, like you said, she's this, because she's described as sort of like having this sort of almost childlike physique, isn't she? She's like mm. quite, you know, quite. It's like small. physically stunted. Basically. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. but she but she's a full Namati and like mm. she 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 bet like she doesn't talk. I think she talks like once during the whole story. Yeah. Um and like she she's she's a seamstress, isn't she? She just makes these mm. dresses, but yeah. like so she's she's like a half dressmaker, <laughs> half assassin. You know, yeah. that sort of yeah. like rip your throat out, if, you know, <laughs> if, if needed. She and then she ends up becoming his bodyguard at the end, mm. which is mm. amazing. Um it's, I I found like like you're just saying I found the Namati side probably the most fascinating because oh yeah you know because ultimately the like I said the the Achillean are interesting as well but ultimately they're just being pompous you know mm. people they're being dark elves. elves yeah they're just being like, whereas the Namati have so many more layers to them where like you said mm. they're learning skills and and, and love the fact that like I said oh we think he you know we think he may have had an orcs being given an you know an oryx soul you know hence yeah. why. You know, they sort of, because they don't know often what soul they're being given and they mm. end up just, you know, and like I said, it, I love the fact it appears out of nothing. It's not like, right, you're given a soul and then like mm. day one, you start, you know, start doing something <laughs> different. It's almost like it, it's a gradual thing. It's literally mm. all out of, mm. out of nothing. Um, and what was quite interesting, um, going back to that market scene you were, talk, you were describing, mm. um, again, this is because I was obviously listening to the audio book, but like it, it is literally, you know, like you know, like on 
Game of Thrones, which mm. let's be honest, this book is very much like Game of Thrones as well. Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> like Game of Thrones or 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 Lord of the Rings. Any of these sort of you know when you see like a market in a in a in a mm. you know that sort of fantasy type TV program or film, and like literally Namaria, because what Namaria is doing, she puts on different guises and yeah. voices so she, when she's yeah. at the weapon seller she's like oh yeah i just want you to get me a new sword for my husband because oh god bless him he just don't know what to do he can't defend the home you know it's like he's that's yeah. literally how she's yeah. talking it's like literally like you're overhearing like you know some some you know a, a you know a peasant lady you know with mm. her husband who who's you know who because she's basically putting across like yeah you know he's oh yeah he may have had a been given a dodgy soul once hence why he's not really himself at the moment but he's all mm. right i love him still you know and that's basically how yeah. she's talking and it's, it's <laughs> and it, no, but it feels really normal like that's mm. you know it's mm. you know in this sort of high fantasy novel and uh, you know a race that lives underwater has no eyes yeah, yeah. and you know has to go up on you know up and drain the souls of, of victims to to survive you never think that they're just going to be just normal like oh, i'll give you 20 you know i'll give you 20 crowns for that you know sort of, yeah, sort of mentality. Yeah, yeah. it sounds it feels so normal <laughs> unlike you mm. i think that's probably the, one of the most fascinating bits yeah. that ultimately but, there's this whole society uh you know at, at the bottom level um, yeah. you know, in stature yeah. and you know physically they're down the bottom because obviously they're at the bottom of the mm. ocean they're having to literally survive in a normal way they have to eat they have to mm. defend themselves yeah and yeah. and and then just survive but also they've mm. got this ticking time bomb in you know themselves where like i said like i said they have to have a soul every so often otherwise they will literally mm. just die mm. at, you know at a very a relatively early age well, yeah and, yeah oh love it i love Th- things like that so good that's another one of my favorite things there is you get those very normal everyday scenes, like because a lot. I, I like to imagine what I'm reading as I read a lot of the time, and so I get like a vague picture of the scene in my head as I read. I'm sure that's pretty normal. Um, <laughs> sounds weird, uh, but like I kept picturing like a normal market scene or a normal tavern scene and things like that, like mm-hmm. and just placing the characters in there, and then always, always there's something that's just a little bit off. So even if it's just like you know. He got up from his chair and swam to the door, like, "Oh, wait, yeah, they're like really deep underwater." Yeah. Or um, <laughs> yeah. one one of the really good details in the market scene is an Ineth Deepkin market. It can be busy, but it's never noisy, and people are always very far apart. Mm-hmm. Like Ineth enclaves are built massive because they have to. They don't have to, but they have this culture of separating themselves from everyone. Like it again, it's a theme through the book. Every time someone touches Lurian, he freaks out in a mm. in a way related to who's touching him. Like whether it's you know this beautiful woman he's just met touches him, and he's like, I've never. This is like the most intimate, passionate thing I've ever had. She accidentally like brushed my arm, or it's you know someone touches him unexpectedly, he freaks out because touch is not a normal sensation for them to be touched or to be held because they have this practice of you know we got to deny Slanesh, we got to keep each other's apart from each other like. And, like, because um, it starts, the scene starting is, like, his mother's wake, and, you know, mm-hmm. they're all dancing, and occasionally a pair will dare to do the dance where they're on opposite sides of the room, but they're mirroring each other's motion, so it's yeah. almost <laughs> like they're close to each other. And then, like, these deacon from another enclave come up, and they dance like a proper waltz, like, holding hands and everyone, everything, and the entire crowd just, like, freaks out, like, what are they doing? Oh, they do yeah. things weird over in Dweehor, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they touch each other. 
scandalous. It's so bizarre because, <laughs> like, like you said, because they're so because of what happened. Because obviously, as we know, that you know the this sort of escape from Slanesh and put themselves to the bottom of the ocean. And like I said, it's, it reminds mm. me of if you've seen the film Equilibrium, um, where like no one's allowed to show any real emotion. You know, where oh, it's, it's okay. Um, that's that's what the film is. It's a it's a sci-fi film, but it's um, mm. it's basically where mm. to because to stop. I think it was I think I've seen it for years. I think it was to stop another world war. They basically made everyone like they just they burned books they got mm. rid of paintings you're like there's no you can't have any sort of emotion or you know anything because emotion leads to war basically Insights, passion which leads to war yeah yeah, yeah. exactly okay, yeah so basically that's <laughs> what it's sort of it's on that sort of similar lines where it's like they mm. they you know they have normal lives and obviously they clearly have you know relationships because they, they have mm. children and you know and all yeah. that sort of stuff but there's no there's nothing children yeah, they have a lot of children, and 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 that's a, a key point. Actually, talking about that, going in lots of children, because it does mention at one point where I, I think it's one of the thoughts that Lurian has is that at the end of the day, that that even even if, if they, I think if there was like a mass genocide of all the Namati, that mm. wouldn't solve their problem. There's not, it's not because no. like you two Archelians you know, who have got full mm. souls, they can have a child and it still be an Amati. There's nothing, yes. there's no yes. guarantee. Like it's not a gene thing going on there. Mm, mm, um, mm. That means, so. Yeah. And there's a great thing with that because, you know, Lurian is the scion of a noble house, which means after he was born, the house quickly adopted him and put them, put him in their like family tree records and saying, yes, this is definitely the son of, yeah. Legate of <laughs> yeah. the house of Briomdar. Like that that's the because their entire family lineages are just shams. Because yeah. they, they want to have that noble look of like, you know, this is a lineage that could be traced all the way back to the very first of the Sithai who fled from Teclas and Tyrion and came down underwater. It's like, no. No one has a direct line back because every noble house is you have an Achillean, they have a child, it's not an Achillean. So they adopt an Achillean child from a Damati yeah. couple. Yeah. or from an Achillean and a Mardi couple or whatever the split is, and then that becomes part of their bloodline. And it's like, everyone's adopted is yeah. another facet of this. It's like, all these people are... It's interesting because it makes it kind of a sham. Like, they're really invested in this noble status that they have, but there's nothing actually backing it up, which, again, hey, the 1%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. I'm liking this novel more and more as I talk about it, apparently. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, so many aspects of Deacon's society are, like, structured in such a weird way. Like, they have emotion. Like you said, they have feelings, they have relationships. But some emotions are really alien to them. Uh, like, to the point where Lurian doesn't understand what he's feeling after, you know, certain characters die. Like, mm-hmm. he feels a tugging in his chest and doesn't know what's wrong with him. Or, at one point, you know, they go visit the Dryads and the Dryads sing a weeping song and all the elves with eyes start to cry, and they go, oh my god, their magic's so powerful that they can pull the ocean out of our out eyes. eyes yeah. We don't know what this is. We've never cried before. <laughs> We've never had reason to. <laughs> or we've been underwater and haven't noticed, I suppose, is another yeah. explanation there. But like, <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And speaking of that, um, hey, did you know it's really hard to kill a deepkin? Because yes, the is. massive water pressure just holds their body together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which Literally. I think is a beautiful detail. It's fantastic. It's like it makes sense, right? They, they live all the way down there. Like they've got the ether sea helping them at all times to help them breathe the water down there and stop the pressure from getting too great. But they essentially live at massive pressure, mm-hmm. and 
this explains why you know uh, soul renders can bring the Marty back and stuff even on like land because the ether sea maintains that pressure on their bodies yeah so something right. that would cut someone in half the two halves still stick together because of the sheer pressure all around them yeah and you know with the with the correct magic or just the correct medicine you can literally stitch a deep kin elf back together and they will yeah. live yeah which is terrifying <laughs> like the, the first one one of the bits in the first scene it ends with him getting almost cut in half with a halberd yeah. Like pinned pin to the chair, it's gone so deep through his chest, and he wakes up like a week later in prison going, Oh God, I really, that's a sore shoulder. I'm not used to pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, me- mentioning soul renders, um, the, mm. let's talk about the, the Ishiran uh, mm. side of things. Because again, they're, they're sort of, uh, they it always feels like in this novel, they take a slight, so, you know, a bit of a backseat compared to the other two casts, but I think it's mm. that they're, when they are. Ha- or have relevance at any point in this novel it shows how important they are again mm. into the culture and the way their society works is that t- especially i would say tide well all of them are uh, particularly mm. special but obviously tide casters as well in particular yes. are so important to the way mm. their society works it, like literally if they didn't have tide casters and obviously soul renders as well to obviously get the souls when they go up top um this, they wouldn't be able to survive. I mean, tide casters mm. are so important. They're, they're the ones that produce the ether sea. So obviously yeah. they need that to, like I said, to, to survive in effect, like mm. I said, to go up top, you know, it effectively causes, you know, creates a little bubble for them to, you know, to obviously breathe mm. in as such. And yeah. it's even used for like communication as well mm. between enclaves. Yeah. That's how they pass messages for, you know, from mm. for, across mm. the depths um, yeah. and all sorts. Really. They're actually immensely powerful tide casters mm. more, yeah. more than I think the, you know the previous you know when we've the rules and battle tomes and all that that side of things i think mm, we mm. i think this makes them, me appreciate them even more as a oh yeah as a as a, as a, <laughs> a magical you know uh type of class really it's sort of they mm, they're so absolutely. so important um and, like, and obviously respected as well mm, yeah because like deep canals don't naturally breathe water i feel is a very important point like every mm-hmm. enclave is constantly blanketed in ether sea even underwater by tide casters to make sure that the water is breathable and that like i said before the pressure isn't too great but it's still great enough that they don't explode etc etc um <laughs> but then we get scenes like when they're discussing like you know a deep kin army is coming here their tide casters are trying to push their way forwards to us by manipulating currents, and all our city's tide casters are literally pushing them back. So they're a few weeks away because we can like literally push the currents against them and force <laughs> yeah. things to away from the enclave and stuff like that. There's, that's that's cool, man. That's yeah. really <laughs> radical. Um, and like like you said, the uh, the soul render, like we get to see one in action uh, using the talon hook. Like also. Also, Deacon Rage just got way creepier and worse because <laughs> we we had like the lead up to the Deacon was we find all these villagers with people just floating and like asleep and they never wake up. And then, you know, we go to the battle time where, you know, people killed in raids get their souls stolen, et cetera, et cetera. And then we get to this book that sort of ex- sort of goes past that and says, Actually, they don't kill people immediately in the raids. Every Deepkin is seeking to horribly maim the enemy without killing them mm-hmm. so that a soul render can come by, scoop the soul out, and then kill them. Yep. Um, because if you kill them, if the soul render's not there within a f- couple of minutes, the soul's gone. Yeah. So, it's like, wasted, they're fighting... Yeah. Mm, which, it can be disadvan- like a disadvantage for the army as well because, like, they're doing a raid against some Oryx, and Oryx are already super hard to kill. 
But here they are trying <laughs> yeah. to maim Oryx enough that they can't move because you don't want them hurting the Soul Render and you don't want them fighting any further, but you also don't want to kill them. No. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I chop this guy's chest open, his heart's exposed, he's lying down, it's probably fine. You turn around, he hits you over the back of the head with the club because he's an Oryx, of course, yeah. he's still fighting. <laughs> but like, it's just suddenly made the idea of all these raids way more vicious. And then, yeah. like, you get the personal side where they're, like, you know, creeping through the sheets. I stab this old woman in the back in the exact spot where I know she won't die for several yep. minutes. And then I just leave her there, move on to the next one. I'm like, oh, jeez, oh, okay. <laughs> we need the souls, <laughs> I guess. Sure. <laughs> but it also it also shows as well in, in that plot is that how important the souls are like they obviously mm. they've gathered all those souls in in a big pot and it's like they they will literally you know they would lose an army over it if 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 mm. it was for the you mm. know it's like it's for this greater good that they hold souls in such high regard that you know that like you said they because obviously naturally they do a raid they're going to lose you know bodies mm. you know the people you know deep are going to generally die because you know, they will yeah. have casualties that's just inevitable and but obviously they have to keep it to a, to a minimum and it, and obviously that's where mm. the the soul renders come into into play because it's almost like they're, they're almost a bit like a tally man in nurgle they're having to almost keep mm. track of mm. like well how many souls have we got so far well we've got about yeah. 50 so far yeah and it's like which it would be great by the way they don't need a lot of souls apparently <laughs> No, like, but it's also strength as well, soul, isn't yeah. it? Like the different types make seem mm. to make a difference as, as well. Yeah. And uh, but no, actually talking about the raids, I think one thing, and this is again another shout out to David Geimer, One thing I really appreciate mm. in this novel is how he he brings other factions into this novel because yes. how many? You know, let's be honest. With some, you know, we're still getting there with AOS novels, but there's times where you're like, why is there no mention of these? Why the, you know, whereas mm. he's clearly on right. You know, even at times, right. He mean, he mentions demons, demonettes, but then yeah. there's beast, there's beast core raiders. There's Oryx. The, he mentioned mm. Seraphon at one point and it's like, yes, yeah. bring in these other, yeah. fa- like the ones we don't always <laughs> keep hearing about. It's like, yes, bring mm. them in. I mean, and, one thing I've got to ask you, Cameron, as well, because yes. I've been dying to ask you this, is yes. uh, has this novel inspired you to build a female Nurgle Gargant at any oh, point? God, now, it has mightily tempted me, I've got to say. Because <laughs> we, we get to see Caravinia the Great, who, as yeah. I just said, is this female huge Gargant of Nurgle, mm, mm. Um, uh, who happens to have a... Uh, a thigh plate made of a door with a, I think yes, the person still nailed, nailed to it. To it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is I really, amazing. I really loved all that stuff because Nurgle's great, obviously. Yeah. But I think the best thing I liked about it is it showed more in depth because we always know Nurgle's been attacking the realm of life and we know like it's split up between Alariel and the deep can have the oceans and Nurgle has these areas and stuff. But Nurgle is not monolithic. Like, they, they list off, they, they literally list off a whole bunch of villains from other books, like background villains in, mm-hmm. in the Nurgle forces, and say, but they're not around here. The problem here is Carriza, the Empire of Carriza, with uh, Caravinia the Great leading mm-hmm. it. But, like, yeah, th- there's just this this female Gargan who's incredibly smart, she's massive, she's dedicated to Nurgle, she's powerful, she's terrifyingly powerful, like, magically speaking, apparently. Um, but, like, she's arrivals with the lady of Cankerwall, who commands the order of the fly you know mm-hmm. the all the nurgle knights from the plague war uh plague garden book and stuff like that like yeah 
having read all this other stuff set in the realm of life, I'd like this extra fleshing out and that, and that Age of Sigmar is now at a point where you can casually reference these other things that have happened in the area, in the lore. Like there's, a, there's enough there now for him to draw from for all that stuff, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and also it was just great seeing like, yeah, they're, they're this great power in the area, but their power has been shrinking, but they know the Deepkin are out there somewhere. They've got to find out one day. But until then, <laughs> we need souls and like, and they come back with a bounty of souls. Like he's fated and like rumors fly around because he led a raid that brought back 300 souls. Yeah. And, something like that. and again, really driving in the numbers. There are these massive Deepkin cities. There's not a lot of people in them. If 300 souls for like one of the medium sized cities is considered this horrendously huge bounty mm. to have like, because presumably they can be cut up or split up somehow between Namadi. Like you don't need a full, full soul. Um, cause I, I know that other, uh, races can split souls like that. I'm pretty sure we've heard somewhere already in Age of Sigma off the top yeah. of my head. Yeah. It's, oh, so. bone yeah. Yeah. of course it is. Yeah. yeah bone yeah. Reapers can split souls with magic and stuff like that. So presumably the Eidneth are doing something similar, mm-hmm. uh, to like string them out and everything. But like the idea of like, yeah, well, one of the most important cities in the region, 300 souls will sustain our population for like a year or more. I'm like, Oh, there's not actually that many of you still. No. No, well, I think there. I think there's a lot of them. It's just they're so spread out. I think, like I said, mm. there's so many little colonies, cities, and enclaves in. You know, and I suppose it's like everything. The, the ocean is vast, so they're mm. just so split yeah. up that that yeah, they're in little pockets. Because I suppose they're they're hidden away. Because well, like we said earlier, they're hidden away from the rest of the world because obviously that's when and Slanesh, but they're also hidden away from themselves because they mm. just like, yeah, we don't. And then, and then effectively you've got these, um, you know, these Kings and Queens that are just playing God with everyone, basically, aren't you? just <laughs> playing, yeah. their, you know, playing their, their, their politics for it all. And again, you know, that side, you know, is interesting in itself. I mean, a lot of it is, as you would imagine, you know, every, most of the Kings and Queens in this are, arrogant and only really mm. caring about the group you know themselves and and their family and their lineage and you know that's you know at that mm. point where you know lorian gets you know gets betrothed to um uh, i've forgotten her name now um gwindir that's it and uh you know and things like that because obviously it's you know it benefits them as a as a family but i must admit i did like the 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 uh the laughing king sylvaneth mm. sort of yes. sub story that was going off yeah. Um, I mean, what did you think of it? Uh, it was beautiful and wonderful. Uh, it really <laughs> played up the, the fae nature of the Sylvaneth. Like, they are these weird, creepy things that you don't want around. But just the idea of, <clears throat> like, there's this Deepkin enclave, and everyone who goes there thinks they're mad because they're constantly parading and dancing around. Uh, and they dwell in really shallow water. Comparatively, like, the sunlight reaches their enclave, which is unthinkable for any of the other enclaves like they are buried so deep the light never reaches them like that's why you know the nomadi don't need their eyes etc etc um but here they are and they're so close to the shore that like a forest has grown underwater reaching out to the enclave because marbor king of Dwihor, has stolen a dryad of some power or a branch wraith maybe yeah and he's like keeping her with him i think her name's deep grove yes yeah yes yes and like she's the reason the forest is growing down here and like you know they can literally swim without tide casters 
you know, jumping them along the current from from the enclave up onto the beach and walk out, and there's the forest, and they're all <laughs> silver yeah. Um Yeah, it was it was really cool. It's like again, it's that it's that culture thing because Dweehor is so excessively different to every other enclave here. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. not just in terms of where it's placed, but how all its deepkin act. Like the Achaeans and the Nomadi are much more compact in like spacing like they don't stay away from each other mm-hmm. like they yep. dance and they sing and they hold hands and they whirl around within you know a few feet of each other whereas you know previously in Briomdar the market scene was like yeah we're swimming along we're swimming together which means there's less than 10 feet of distance between us <laughs> and everyone else in the market respectfully keeps like you know 30 to 40 feet away from us because <laughs> you know you respect your personal space which is this massive thing in deep society literally it's, <laughs> it's this huge bubble around you where it's like why are you coming close to me i can i can almost hear the sound of your movement that's too close yeah Lord, get away <laughs> yeah whereas in you know dweehor the first thing you see is like this carnival of deepkin parading around mm. the city dancing and singing and like chasing away the sun and stuff it's awesome they're so different and out there and weird, and the idea of this mad king of the deep kin is really fun as well. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the fact that you know the, the Sylvaneth have got the spear that he craves, and but he's got one mm. of there, and there's like you know talking about swapping over and you know and all this sort of almost like this hot sort of semi hostage situation. It's yeah, mm. I thought it was really good. I thought it was nice to actually have them to show that they do integrate with other races and almost in some yeah. cases em- embrace yeah. it. You know. Mm. Um, I thought that was really, really good. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else now. Um, we'll probably wrap this. Uh, <laughs> there's so there's quite a lot to get. There's quite a lot there's to go so into. There's so much this. more we could cover, but yeah, I think read um, the book. It's worth. Yeah, it. it's good. It is. It really is. <laughs> I mean, even though obviously we have gone into detail about this, mm. it, I don't think we. I personally don't think we've sport that much of this because i think there's so no. much to absorb it's, lo- it's lots of i find it's lots of little things in there lots of little mm. nuggets like mm. you know when they go like there's you know there's a scene where they go down and basically de- deal with a, a demon alapex you know half demon oh, alapex gosh. which oh, is that's cool so good that's a great scene yeah. by itself so there's, there's lots of mm. yeah you know the, a lot of it you'll expect lots of the you know the the, the politics between the like I said the kings and queens is as you would imagine it to be. Think like I said, think Game of Thrones and mm, and obviously mm. the selfishness and things like that. But I think once you get into the the Namati side of things, seeing uh, you know how they react, how it, again the characters I feel like a, a bit like vessels to 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 portray these things. I mean, all the characters mm. are cool, but I think it's it's one of those novels which I think we we've we've said this about other some of the other books we covered. It's it's almost like the, the Again, this is not met in any disrespect. Like almost the characters aren't aren't as important, really. You know, they mm. are. They got their place, but it's almost about what's you know what's oh, yeah. happening around them and how how things interact. Mm. You mm. know, I yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's like um, the, the the story is nice, and I like the story. Yeah, but the thing that really grabs me about this book is the details, the juicy information about every aspect of Deepkin society and how they yep. interact with the world in general is fascinating. If you're a Deacon player, you want this book simply to understand, like, the intricacies behind your... Oh, I guess if you're not interested in the lore, you don't want this book, but, like... No, probably if, not. <laughs> if, you picked, if you picked the Deepkin because you like the idea of them being these almost, almost Dark Elder, but not quite Dark Elder kind of society, you want this. It explains mm. so much about everything, like... 
we've we've told you so much, and I feel we've gone into probably about ten percent of the interesting details available. Yep, yep, I'd <laughs> agree like with that. that. Yeah. It's, it is filled literally to the gills. It's bursting at the seams, <laughs> at the high pressure, deep water seams of um yes. of it, with information of all kinds, and it's. Yeah. Super inspiring as well. I would absolutely adore to see a Dweehor army with the yep. um the Silverneth and Deepkin battalion, like yep, the, totally the of wooden of wooden water battalion, whatever it is, because I think that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. And you know, have have like Marbor the Akelian king with Into have a branch wraith for Deep Grove, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think it'd be awesome. Oh, yeah, add it, and, add it to the list. God damn it! Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing. And and, mm. and like we said with you know Caravinia, the the uh, the Nurgle mm. Gargan, you know, it, you've that's what I like. I think I love it when when someone clearly what David has done is sort of he's because I think he even said I think what I read somewhere he's the reason he's included a lot of these things like your beast mm. claw and you know and things like that is because they're their armies that he has in real life you know it's it's mm. the things that mean okay. and, and that's good you know it's almost like it's done with a bit of love going mm. into it not just a oh we need yeah, a deep yeah. novel oh okay then I'll <laughs> write what I can you know it's sort of it's like he's mm. he's tried to you know put a lot of effort into that side of things but no i i totally agree definitely definitely check out this novel i think it's i think it's one of the best aos ones i've read in a while actually i think it's um mm. you know the you, again I, I it's almost to the point now where i want to get it physically because I, again I, yeah. I was a little bit disappointed with yeah. the audio so i'm gonna probably get the physical copy because i just i feel like i really want to read it and absorb oh, yeah. it a bit more get yeah. those finer Look. details that you can mm. uh, pick out so, Honestly, go th- go through, write down everything that catches your interest, and then build an island that you can army. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, I'm, I, well uh, from about a year ago, I still, I still have got one up up, mm. up in the loft oh, from, uh, <laughs> from yeah. uh, when I got oh. the on the battle forces. I've still got. You can do uh, it. Yeah, you can build the Mad King's army. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it on our behalf once my ogres are out. Yeah. Of the way. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm adding more work to your list, and I don't feel guilty at all. No, that's fine. That's what we do. Uh, it's guilt-free zone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Right. Okay. Well, we'll take our last little break now. I think, um, and then mm-hmm. when we return, let's talk about the future of 40k on the tabletop. Mm. Back soon. Right. Let's do this. Let's. Uh, do our first discussion mm. topic of 2020. So, like we said earlier, um, there's potential. We may start seeing stuff of, of the new version of 40K, you know, 9th edition or mm. 8.5 or whatever, you know, things end up being. So, I mean, obviously, there's no guarantees of that. It's just obviously start of the year, you know, and it'd be interesting to see, obviously, later this year, if something, if a new version mm. does drop, then... You know, is it comparable to some of the things that we were hoping to see? So, so yeah, it's like I said, it's just more from the, as I said, the tabletop point of view, really. Yeah. And just, you know, the edition as whole 40K. Um, yeah, what things would we like to see? What things we'd like to, mm. you know, maybe be added or be removed or changed? And, mm. yeah, just throw some ideas out there. So, um, Cameron, yeah. kick us off, mate. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Ooh, I would like to see an overall consolidation <laughs> Like, I have a feeling. I have a feeling. Ninth edition will probably be backwards compatible, so to speak. Like all the eighth edition <laughs> stuff should probably work in it. Yeah. So what I would like to see is when ninth edition comes around, we start getting ninth edition codexes. I would like to see, assuming everything still works, all the previously printed uh, rules for that faction compiled in as part of the codex. So I'm saying, like, you know, you've got your ninth edition uh, Death Guard codex 
you don't need their psychic awakening book as well. You yep. just, it's all in there. You know, I guess chaos basement would be easier. All the visualist defined stuff in there, all the, uh, visualist ablaze stuff in there, all the whatever, whatever, whatever in there from all the various books compiled all together. And then obviously have the main faction be updated as well and stuff. But if you could have it all in one bigger book, I think that would make a lot of people very happy, make life a little easier for everyone, and would mean, you know, Games Workshop doesn't have to keep printing all <laughs> the various splat books they've made. Like, it's been really nice having all this extra lore and all these extra little flavor bumps, but we've spoken about this before, it's probably getting a little much. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> so, mean, yeah. I mean, the books is is a massive issue, isn't it, in general? I mean, we, like mm. I said, we've spoken about this before, there's so many books out there that you need to play your army. So yeah, there needs to be some sort of amalgamation. Um, I mean, mm. a bit. I think a bit like you. I don't think I can't. I can see back it being backwards compatible. I I can't see them going to the effort of doing all these codexes and then all of a sudden mm. it's like, yep, they're null and void. I mean, that could happen. It'd be a shame mm. if they do. But you know, because ultimately stats are stats, and I'm you know I'm sure whatever whenever ninth edition turns up it will have different rules. Obviously they will tweak stuff, but you know, yeah. you don't, it's a bit, a bit, I suppose a bit like AOS one to two, you know, it, it worked in mm. it. Ultimately it sort of, yeah, they introduced oh, yeah. new things, but you know, fundamentally, you know, things are compatible with some, obviously some mm. of the, the older battle tomes and it should be the same. Um, I think with the codexes. So yeah, I, I suppose oh, yeah. a bit like you, I just want, I think less books. It's just so confused. It's confusing, you know, for an experienced player, but it's probably even worse for, a, like I said, a, a newer person oh, trying yeah. to get into it. It must be an absolute nightmare. I mean, you see it online, you know, when you go on the forums and, and websites, mm. there's just people like, I want to start this army. I have no effing clue what, to, <laughs> what, what, uh, what to get, you know, like book wise. Cause it's like, well, you need this, you need that. And it's just, yeah, it's mm. just yeah. a bit, a bit crazy. Um, one thing I would like to see, which I've mentioned before on the same sort of lines is free data sheets. Yeah, you know, if we've got war scrolls for AOS, do data sheets as well. It's not. I don't see why there's that divide anymore, and mm. I don't want to repeat myself too much because I've already said this before. But I, I just think it's so crucial. There's nothing better that you know, um, like you know, say you say you're on your work lunch break, um, because you never do it not on a lunch break. Because you, hmm. you, you're not that sort of person, but you say you're on <laughs> you're on your lunch break, and you're like, oh, I want to look at the war scroll of this particular unit. You go on the GW hmm. website, you download it, you can see their stats. You can make you may you know your colleague who's also on their lunch break because again, you'd never do this uh, not on a lunch break because that's naughty. <laughs> but you then talk about it because you can see the stats. Whereas and or you know if you got your phone with you, you you know you bring out the app and you can talk about it. like, oh yeah, how hmm. many how many wounds is that? that unit got all right i'll just have a quick you know it's just it's simple stuff but it should oh, yeah. be there available it, there's no mm. difference between aos and 40k in that sense that obviously they are different games but fundamentally they're not in in that side mm. of things there's no reason why one you should get a benefit over the other because it, it, effectively being by being in 40k you're being slightly hindered by that mm. for no mm. real just because of historic reasons so yeah yeah do, yeah, do the free data sheets yeah. on that. Like, I, I would say data sheets and points free. Assuming you buy chapter approved, you're going to have the points anyway, so screw mm-hmm. it. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, have, have all the specific rules, stratagems, faction rules, whatever, have those in the codexes. There's still yep. incentive to buy them. People are still mm-hmm. going to buy their codex. Don't worry yeah. about that. Of course. Um, yeah. 
Um, one other thing I would really like to see, I would like to see an expansion on the psychic phase, some kind of psychic awakening, perhaps. Um, <laughs> because so, so, far the t- so far the title of this series has been very misleading. There's not been a massive expansion of psychic <laughs> powers for any yeah. faction, realistically. Yeah. Um, just something for everyone to do in it would be nice. Like, even if it, even if it's something like, you know, psychic potential or lack thereof, like, have a little thing for every faction that they do in the psychic phase. Someone pointed out, if you want to start Tau, be aware you're ignoring one and a half phases out of three phases in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, un- or oh, oh, four phases, I guess. Yeah. Movement, psychic shooting, combat. Yeah. One and a half out of four phases in the game. Like, there are factions that simply, no matter what, no matter what they do, cannot interact with the psychic phase. Like, Necrons sort of do with the Catan powers, but those technically happen start of the shooting phase or end of the shooting phase. Where they're, they're psychic-like, and I guess that might be good enough depending on how you feel about it, but not everyone will take Catan shards, but that's fine. But, <laughs> no. like, for the, for the Tau, give them a psychic auxiliary race if you're going to double down and actually give us proper auxiliary races like we discussed yep. earlier in the episode. Yeah, yeah, like, no, that's right. Ha- have the Tau come in, come into possession of, you know, I don't know, a race of sentient crystals that float around the battlefield and act like zoanthropes. That would be cool. That would be radical. Actually, I love that idea. Yes. <laughs> just, this, just this giant floating diamond wearing the Tau symbol on a piece of flak plate over the middle of it. And like, yes, this is our friend, Oli Atobayotobayotobayas. Uh, he's from the Nethrissian division. There you go. Perfect. Wonderful. Something like that. Like, or like, um, you know, if you if your army has no psychers in it, maybe depending on whether they're a psychic or not race, they either deaden or enliven the warp around them. Like a bunch of yeah. orcs around, even without a weird boy, is still going to churn up the warp a bit and make something happen. Well, we like, we, we, we see it with corn in AOS. They got mm. judgments. They're an anti-magic yeah. uh, faction, but they still have and their yeah, version of endless spells. A way to interact with it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, totally agree on that, I think. Because, mm. like I said, again, I know it's a style thing. Like, again, if you use Tau as an example, I know the fact that, obviously, you, if you choose to have them as your your army choice, then, yes, mm. you're, you're, after, you know, you're getting lots of mass shooting, but you're not, um, obviously, getting, like I said, psychic phase. That's sort of what you, you take on board, you know. But that mm. doesn't make it right either. I think, like I said, all armies no. should have at least something in that, even if it's slightly, you know, tweaked in in that regard. Um mm. Talking of tweaking, and I think everything, I, I swear every time I mention anything, it's going to be compared to AOS because I think it just, it just works. <laughs> AOS does a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And I, I, this conversation to me demonstrates that. I think they need to do something with the whole war gear pointing thing. I find mm. it, I know it's difficult because I suppose in AOS, if you've got a unit, you it'll say you can either take him with this. Uh, this weapon or you can take them with this i know some have got mixed but putting that aside you know it's either that or that and the the unit is that amount of points whereas you know when you're point doing the points for 40k units it it it, oh it gets messy with the maths you know you're sort of like when you're like (laughs) well i need to add on two points for this oh i need to put on Mm. a bolt pistol i need to do that and and okay i know that's again that's not not in some eyes that may not be a bad thing but i find it makes list building so complex at times yeah. you know again yeah. compared to aos again aos is nice in the sense that it's got right you know you pick your, your your the amount of points you're playing and the only real 
requirement is obviously having your battle line. I know you've got number of le- you know number of leaders and and um, monsters and such like, but it, ultimately it, you know it, it's very rare people max those out. You know, but people go, oh, as long as I got my battle line sorted for you know I need two for a thousand points, three for two thousand points. That's yeah. it. Whereas on this, yeah. it's like, oh, you know, you're trying to, it's almost like you're, you know, in your, cause in your head, you're trying to go, when you're building an army, you go, right, I need, I need some anti-tank. I've got those troops cause they're mm. going to shoot loads of stuff. They can be on overwatch all the time. All these can be, these can be used to deep strike. But on top of that, you've got this massive layer of complexity of going, well, I don't know if I can fit those in because, mm. because mm. at quick glance, cause at least in AOS, you can go, right, uh, I've got a spare 160 points. You know exactly what you can or can't fit in that. You can quickly glance, yeah. go, oh, great, I can grab one of those. I can grab that hero mm. for 140 points, or I can grab that unit for, for 150 points. Whereas in 40k, you're like, well, I could maybe, I know, chuck in four and a half Primaris Marines and a Snickers bar, <laughs> maybe? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. it's sort of like it's, it isn't, it doesn't, it makes it very time consuming, I feel, mm. to, mm. to, to list build. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, at times I really enjoy the minutiae of like pushing war gear around until I get that perfect build. And I feel that shouldn't necessarily go away. I think what they should do is they should, is they should expand and really like firm up the power level system. Cause like I hear a lot of good things about it, uh, but it also never gets updated (laughs) because (laughs) I think I've, I think a few of them, a few games workshop employees have like talked about this before. The big mistake a lot of them seem to think they made with 8th edition was putting the power cost directly on the data sheet because yeah. then if you want to change power costs around, you need to either reprint the entire data sheet or divorce power costs entirely from the data sheet. So I think that's something 9th edition could definitely do is in the back of the book where you normally have your points cost per unit, simply have an extra column that says power cost per unit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like still and still have the thing in the actual stat sheet that says, you know, you could, you have this many and then for this much extra power, you can add this many, that kind of thing. And then that's just what AOS is. It's a simplified point system. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't totally agree with that. I, I think the last thing I would say, and it's always the same thing. It's, com- <laughs> it's dumbing down. <laughs> it's like less, <laughs> less complexity. I think mm. it's to do with the stratagems because uh, controversial. I think there's too many at times, <laughs> depending on who oh, you are. Yeah. I, I'm like, I look at yeah. the book and I'm like, whoa, it's 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 hard enough because of what I mean by that is it's hard enough for you as a as a uh, as the you know the army user that you're like, well, I'm trying to work out what I even want to bring or use. Like, mm. You know, I know you I know you can use them depending on how many command points you got, but you know, you, there's it's just almost too much choice. And, and yeah. obviously, as an opponent of that, you're like, well, I, I can't I can't remember what of you know, the 24 stratagems the other the, the person has got um i don't know i just find it a bit mm. overwhelming again i know they've done it because again i suppose the problem the problem that to create a balance with all this whether you're aos 40k or whatever i suppose the, the difficulty you face is that you've got a crowd over here that want the crunchiness they're like oh i don't want it mm. i don't want it streamlined i don't want it dumbed down i want it to be crunchy and complicated and tactical and stuff and then you've got the other crowd that are like i just want it you know i want i don't want it to be you know super simple but i want it to be streamlined and you know mm. you've you mm. know and such like and i suppose it's difficult getting that balance because i suppose they sort of counteract each other um, yeah yeah i mean it really does depend on faction like you said like as death guard <laughs> Whenever I rarely play a game, there are three stratagems that are actually useful. 
Okay. The rest I can ignore. Okay, that's handy. Yeah. Yeah. But like that's because it's an early codex and it only has Mm. like, I think 12 or 16 stratagems total. Mm -hmm. Most of them aren't very useful. They're either extremely situational or too expensive. And yeah. I mean, that's fine because the few that are useful are really good, like Veterans of the Long War. Fantastic. Plus one to wound for a whole unit of Plague Marines shooting at something. Amazing. Really mm-hmm. love it. But then you get to the Space Marines Codex where there's a ton of really good stratagems and then a few bad ones. But that's out of like, if you're using a successor chapter or one of the supplements, you're probably working with like 50 odd stratagems exactly. at that point. Yeah. And that, that's, that is realistically too many. Mm. And going off the top of my head, include this with the power versus points thing simply add another mode so have competitive play so you currently got um narrative open and matched at a fourth tier add competitive in narrative yeah. open in narrative and open you use power points you use a simple you use a literally add another keyword on all your strategies that says either uh competitive or otherwise mm-hmm. competitive or other and um yep. in narrative and open simply have simplified powerpoints have the have the non-competitive non-crazy full list of stratagems and then in matched have all the stratagems and points and in competitive have or, or rather in match play regular match play have the simplified stratagem list and the more granular points or the power you know you can choose at that point and then competitive super granular points full list of stratagems yeah that would like, actually work yeah 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 but- it's like a it's like a pick and pick what you want for each game kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit like basic and advanced rules, isn't it? In yeah, certain other yeah. games, you know, when they say, like, "Oh, there's the advanced section," if you want to sort yeah, of beef it up a bit, yeah, but don't frame it like that because people will be sad. <laughs> no, oh yeah, no, because people, yeah, I know, because people will think, yeah, they would, they wouldn't want that because everyone just jumps straight to advanced. You want to sort of, yeah, mm. you want to make it a bit different, but no, I know the concepts. Uh, good because because again I think the command points thing is a bit flawed anyway because I I mm. I don't I'm not a massive fan of the the detachment way to to get command points. It yeah. sort of feels like yeah. that people build lists to let's cram in as many detachments as possible so I can max out mm. those command points. But then it makes them a a, a bit of a, a weirdly structured army, you know, to fit mm. to fill that. Um, mm. And then it encourages suit building. And that's why I hope they continue with this. Oh, you've got a mono army. Here you go. Here, have the benefits yeah. of that. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. The more I think of it, the more I think 40K really does need sorting itself out, really. I think yeah. it's sort of, it's made itself very complicated at times. And I'd, I'd say it's in a better position, like sixth or seventh edition. Oh, yeah. It's oh, become yeah. way more complex again. So yeah. yeah. It's time to trim again. Yeah, that's See it. What we go for a haircut. Come on. Go on, get those razors out. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, I think that was a a nice little mm. uh, discussion on that. And hopefully, we'll well again if we see ninth this year, then mm. we may have you know may have predicted yeah. stuff. You know, we, we, we'll see. We got, we'll see. We're pretty dab hand at that. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah, that's our first episode back for 2020. Now it's been uh, it's mm. good to be back. Good to be back on the uh, the Warhammer podcast train. So. Um, so yeah, we'll wrap up the show now. So Cameron, where can people find you on that internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, come see me post various things about how my government is in shambles. My country is on fire. And this cat is very cute. Um, 
Cool. There's a lot of stuff going on in my life. Um, <laughs> you can also you can also catch me over on Instagram under realm underscore and underscore rune, where I'm just posting hobby stuff as I do it. Um, that's our semi-official Instagram account, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how about yourself? Um, well, I'm all about the twitter.com, so you can find me on there at Ninja Badger 7. Uh, I'm starting to post a few more bits on there. I'm, I'm, that's my aim for 2020, to get a bit more active on there. Mm. But then that's because I'm always on the Realm and Ruin Twitter, which is, I suppose, our official main social media platform, which is mm. at Realm and Ruin. Um, so, yeah, as I said, we've got plenty of lovely plans for this upcoming year. So we detailed some of them at the start of this show and so we got, we're plotting mm. a few more bits behind the scenes so watch this space and as always if you feel there's anything you want us to cover later in the year whether it's a, a special mm. topic or something that we can do in one of our main episodes then always feel free to contact us you know on either of those social medias or join our mm. discord uh is another good way or again go to romanruin.com our website and contact us on there so yeah, yeah we're glad to be back Glad to be back talking about Warhammer. And as always, we'll catch you on the next show. Bye. Ta-ra.